0: Would you look at that, 22 whole episodes of CraigCast. Thank you so much for everyone who's joined me on the journey thus far, and thank you for everyone who, you know, maybe went back in time and listened to this episode after because, uh, you know, CraigCast reached a uh, level of notoriety only seen by very famous podcasts. So before I jump into my regular sponsorship, I just want to let everyone know that I am a loan officer. And I can help you buy a home in all 50 states. So this post, or this podcast, is also brought to you by PlattsburghMortgage.com. We can get you into a home. CraigCast is brought to you by New Roast. New Roast makes coffee shop quality coffee and whole food coffee creamers enhanced with the ancient superfood mushrooms, yes mushrooms, for better focus, energy, and well-being. Each mushroom in New Roast Organic Mushroom Blend has a unique health benefit, like Lion's Mains for better focus, Cordyceps for longer-lasting energy, and Chaga for antioxidants and skin health. The best part? You won't taste the mushrooms at all. Just a bold cup of coffee with notes of chocolate and cinnamon. Try mushroom coffee today and get 20% off your order at NewRoast.com with code CRAIGCAST at checkout. New Roast offers a 100% money-back guarantee if you aren't totally satisfied, and by the way, New Roast is spelled N-E-U, Roast. So, newroast.com. This episode is also brought to you by Rondac Chans- Chairs and Furniture, handcrafted with you and mine. If you're sick of buying those junk plastic chairs you see outside of the dollar store or drugstore, consider a folding Rondack Adirondack chair. It's made of cedar with a beautiful glossy finish. Or maybe it's time to consider a custom piece of furniture made specifically for you. If you'd like to see some more of uh, Mr. Rondack's work, check him out on the web, on Facebook at Rondack Chairs and Furniture, or on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Rondack. And these chairs, they're just well made, they're going to last you a while, and they fold. It's a folding Adirondack chair. It's sort of mind-blowing when you really think about it. This podcast is also brought to you by Tax. Your taxes simplified. Now, if you're listening to this episode on the air date, that's 4:23. 4:15 was the last day to file your taxes without an extension if you owe money to the IRS. So, if I were you, I would get your butt over to PlattsburghTax.com and schedule a free consultation to get your taxes done. And if you're self-employed or you know you have a side hustle and you want to make that side hustle as easy and as streamlined as possible. I highly suggest you get in touch with Notax for the QuickBooks services. It's great. All I have to do is I take a picture of my receipt. I then, I can itemize it. Maybe I went to Tractor Supply Co. and I bought some dog food, but I also bought farm stuff. I can move some of the expenses to personal, some of the expenses to business, then choose the account, and it's going to be a lot easier for not only for me, but for my accountant when I do my taxes this year. So, if you're looking for a way to maybe simplify your side hustle or small business, get in touch with No Tax. They'll figure out what the best solution for you is, and they'll have a smile while they do it. So, check them out on the web at PlattsburghTax.com or K N O W Tax on all of the social media channels. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by SIP. Simply put, it's simple food made fresh. Now, Sip is honestly one of my favorite local restaurants. The best way to stay up to date with all the different things they're doing is Facebook. Um, I haven't seen a draft list like this in a while. They're making some delicious cocktails. And everything I've had there is delicious. You know, the, the fried chicken sandwich was pretty much perfect. Their burgers are always on point. Or even if you just want to stop in there and have a beer after work. It's a great establishment to check out, and they really mean it when they, you know, source local ingredients and want the freshest stuff for their customers. So, sip period on social media or sip Plattsburgh on the gram. So, I guess it's sip just for Facebook, but that's the best place to stay up to date with them. And thank you for listening to these wonderful sponsorships of Craigcast. If you're interested in advertising on Craigcast, Shoot me a message or send me an email to Podcast at gmail.com. So for this episode of CraigCast, lucky number 22, I am here with Jack Helfgott. He's the owner of Yipe's Auto Accessories and Graphics, and he is the president of the Plattsburgh Rotary Club. Thanks
1: for joining me today, Jack. Thank you for having me. Is this Thanks. your first first time on a podcast? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be the last, but very likely, Who knows? So when did you first hear about podcasts? Like, do you remember? Is it sort of recent, or is it the last five, ten years? For me, it's within the last couple of years. My uh, daughter, who um, my daughter who's a graduate of Clarkson, uh, she she kind of clued me into uh, podcasts and got me involved, and interested in listening to them. Yeah, uh, started listening to TED Talks was the primary podcast I was listening to. And since then, now I have uh, have downloaded the app on my phone. Yeah, I listen to yours. Uh, s- stories of stories gumption. Stories of gumption. Shout stories out of to Brian Le- Lee. Yes, absolutely. And uh, sometimes, uh, why wait? Innovate from Matthew Wait.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's fun because it's. I don't know. I think it's it's just an enjoyable medium to me. And like, I only listen to podcasts in the car. Like, I can barely listen to the radio now. Mm-hmm. And- it's just fun. There's not a lot of other opportunities where you get to sit down with somebody and talk for two hours uninterrupted.
1: Well, and that's why I kind of like them. I've always been. I prefer talk radio, anyhow. Yeah. To, to music radio, so podcasts are perfect for me.
0: What sort of What sort of talk radio did you used to listen to? Uh, well,
1: talking? I listened to, to uh, I listened to NPR. I listened to Fox. I listened to some MSNBC. Um, I used to always listen when I was in the Boston area and I used to work down there. Howie Carr was my man yeah I listen to Howie Carr all the time um, so I used to back in the day listen to rush uh, he went a little over the top Once you start thinking you're a god I, I can only take so, I can only <laughs> yeah. take so much of you and I couldn't listen to him anymore um, and I like to listen to uh, business yeah business. you know any business related even even my tv like my probably almost hands down my favorite show people talk about game of thrones and all these other walking dead for me it's shark tank i love shark tank yeah
0: i do i do love game of thrones though but i do yes. watch a lot of shark tank because i feel like you're learning like i feel like you can you can mindlessly consume stuff right or you can learn a little bit like learn oh like so that's how that part of that business works and that's that sort of thing,
1: absolutely, and that's why it's so interesting to me. I, I like also watching if uh, it's called the prophet. I think mm-hmm. he goes in and he invests in people's businesses and helps them turn around losing businesses. I'm always fascinated about uh, what they what what really astute business people look at as valuable in a business and what they look at what takes a business to the next level.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it's interesting because every. Every business has its in and outs and there's sort of stuff you wouldn't, like uh, when I grew up plumbing, it was, it was relatively simple. We, the, the truck was stocked. We had a great supply chain because my dad, every day I would have a list in my pocket and whenever he used, I would write it down. And at the end of the day, he would have it and I would take it off the shelf right. and then he would look through and, you know, once a week he'd put in an order. He had, same as Walmart, just in time where it was always there. It was good to go. You never had to worry about inventory and with uh it was a good a good basis of business for me because it's like, all right, Matt, if you work hard, if you can do the plumbing job, you're gonna get a good amount of dollars every hour. Right. And now sort of mortgages are unique because it's mo there's so many parties involved. There's me, there's the realtors, there's the selling side, the mm-hmm. buying side, the title companies, the attorneys. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. So it's sort of interesting to see. And then in your business, I'm sure right. it's you, but, you you know, there's a supplier for the Onyx Bedliner. There's a graphics supplier. There's whatever. There's there's so oh, many different inputs.
1: Sure. I purchase products on, on a weekly basis from probably over a dozen different sources. And every week, they may be different. I have a couple of primary suppliers for yeah. for the majority of my items. But there's always go-to people for different items.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, um, well, well, before I get into that, okay. take, me, take me back to the beginning. Like, what was it like? Where did you grow up? What sort of lessons did you learn when you were younger that sort of set you up for success now?
1: Okay, well, I was born in Connecticut, but at a very young age, my parents moved. My father had grown up on a poultry farm, and it had been his dream to, to have a poultry farm of his own. So he was uh, an on-the-road salesman uh, for Agway. Mm-hmm. And uh, also he sold paper products. Uh, but anyhow, he always he tells the story that he drove around with a blank check in his pocket, watching for an opportunity to get a farm. And he found a farm in Rhode Island. And, and so when I was very young, an infant, my parents moved to Rhode Island. And I grew up on a poultry farm. And uh, I often tell people I may work in automotive accessories, but I was actually the fifth-ranked poultry judge in the state of Rhode Island in 1980. Uh, so... We had a, a floor operation of chickens. It was a definitely kids who grow up on farms can can uh, understand it. Children, or people who didn't, might not, but you know, getting up and having to go work in the coops before school. Yeah, uh, knowing that when you got home from school, you you change your clothes, you went right into the coops, went to work, you did your homework at night. Uh, athletics and after-school things were not necessarily encouraged because you were needed to help out on the farm. Yeah. And that was okay because there were a lot of perks to it, too. You know, I had a dirt bike and rode in the woods. You know, you get done with your work. You had yeah. – yeah. there were, there were perks to being on the farm. Um, and you worked together with your family. So it was true what they said about, you know, I learned great work ethics. Yeah. You didn't – the work didn't stop – at any particular time, it stopped when it was when it was done. Yeah. So if that meant that we didn't sit down and eat dinner till nine o'clock at night, that's when we ate dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was a post piece of broken machinery in the in the coops that were necessary, a, a feeder or a watering system, if it meant working all night, yeah, you got it done. There you got it no... done right because the chickens needed food. They needed water. Yeah. Uh we had that in plumbing too. It was like
0: if we start this job, like we have to finish it. There's no,
1: right. people don't have water. We've got to finish it. Yeah.
0: There's no backup. There's no, like it might take, we might work 12 hours straight, but you're going to get it done. And I think, I think it's awesome to have work with your hands when you're younger. Like I remember Mm -hmm. I was always jealous. All of my friends were lifeguards and Mm -hmm. made more money than me. And they were like, dude, this is great. Like we hang out Mm -hmm. 30 minutes on 30 minutes off. We can read all day. But now like, i don't need to call a plumber like i have i have the knowledge of plumbing and sort of that show up to work on time work hard and good things will come i feel like there's no no secret to that
1: no that is i agree that's there is people say what's what's the secret to success well there's no secret it's just hard work and, and sticking to it and and uh... i think a key that people don't always some people don't always know but i think successful people know uh, is that the reward for hard work is more hard work? Yeah. You know? So it's just the way it goes. Um, but so we had the poultry farm, and then in the seventies, in the mid seventies, farming started to change, and the advent of cage coops came around, which is funny. Now there's a movement away from cage coops, yeah, and back to a floor operation like I grew up with, where you the chickens were on the floor and you picked the eggs. Five times a day, you pick them by hand. But at that time, everything switched over to where the birds were in cages, it rolled off onto conveyors. And my father was looking at either uh, converting our coops over to a cage system where we would go from 12,000 laying hens to 50,000, and or finding another way to make a living. Yeah, I although I had been in Future Farmers of America and had a lot of interest and was, as I was active in farming, and um, I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do in life. I did not want to have 12,000 children who needed me seven days a week, 24 hours a day to take care of. Yeah. Um, so that was not my thing and I told him that. So he actually, we had gravel on the property and my father bought a small payloader and a small dump truck and he started out small and he built up and did a sand and gravel business. And that's what he was doing when I actually went off to college. Um, And so that's where I started, and then I went, I went off to college, I went to Boston University. Uh, my freshman year of college, coming from a small town with a population of 5,000, and over half of my town would have lived in the dorms that I lived in at Boston University, yeah. Warren Towers. Um, I had a great time, lost all my scholarships in the first year.
0: What was college? What was the prices back then? What year was that?
1: That was, 1980 was my freshman year. I graduated in 1980, so the 80, 81 year was my first year of college. Boston University. You're good. No, you're okay. Good. You're speaking perfect. Okay, so Boston University, my freshman year, with room and board, was ninety six hundred dollars.
0: So for both semesters, whole year, whole kit year, and caboodle. was kit
1: and caboodle it was ninety six hundred, but people still borrowed money. People was, because um, I had scholarships that first year, but um, I lost I lost them. Well, uh, because I enjoyed Boston. You just, and, you just studied so much. Yeah, I say so just much. took it away. A <laughs> 1.9 cum does not maintain your uh, a- academic scholarships. Yeah. So uh, I ended up, I transferred to the University of Rhode Island. Lived at home the first semester of my freshman year and commuted. Uh, of my sophomore year, I'm sorry. Yep. And uh, then moved on to campus and I worked, usually I worked in the summers. I worked two jobs. Mm-hmm. Or a factory job with as much overtime as I could get. I worked at Frito-Lay packing potato chips on third shift. I worked at Command Aerospace and doing maintenance on their machinery during shutdowns. Um, And during the school year, I I held jobs. I worked 20 hours a week uh, at the university. And so I paid, and I took lots of student loans. And they paid for college. And then uh, after college, I went to law school. Went to college, went to law school at Stetson College of Law in Saint Petersburg, Florida. Um, Had a little bit of a similar situation as I did with Boston University, Florida. There was a lot of allure. Uh, studying doesn't go so well on the beach. Yeah, uh, it's a whole nother ball game when you go to law school. Uh, there is no test throughout the year. It's you just go to class and learn. At the end of the semester, you take your final exam, and whatever your grade is, is your grade, and there is no curve. Um, I struggled, with that I, I didn't have the same issues I had at Boston. University, don't get me wrong, but I just uh, I still struggled with it. I went for the for uh, the first full year, and actually uh, took a break for a year and worked. I wasn't sure I wanted to be an attorney. Yeah. So I worked. Uh, I worked for a law firm in Providence, Rhode Island. Edward is an angel, and I worked uh, part time at nights as a assistant mutual manager at a dog uh, assistant a mutual teller at a dog track at so the Plainfield like Greyhound Park. In Plainfield dog Lincoln. racing, dog racing, greyhound racing. Yes. Ah. So uh, I was a teller there at nights and and on weekends and made some some good extra money. So I was doing well, um, and. I don't recall exactly what happened, but I left to go work uh, at Millstone Nuclear Power Plant. I was an armed guard. I worked as an armed guard. And I, I think the money was just very good. Yeah. And that's why I went.
0: Uh, did you ever have any, any incidents as an armed guard at, at the nuclear plant?
1: I did get a dose of—I got exposed to radiation. And yeah. I actually— I, I went, You got, you got know, a nice settlement coming? No, <laughs> but you, you wear dosimetry that you wear that, that reads the background radiation— and you turn that in every night when you'd leave the the site. And when you went back to work the next morning, they would give it back to you. Well, one morning when I went back, they said, uh, before you get your dosimetry back, you need to go get to the health. A quick radiation check. A quick, radiation, a quick check. radiation check, basically, yes. Because the dosimetry indicates that you were exposed to uh, an excessive amount of radiation. So you sit in this machine. It almost seems like a dentist chair. And a large uh, like cylinder comes down and it scans your body for background radiation. I don't. I'm not technical. I don't know the exact terms for what they do, but they they read how much radiation is in your body, and at that time they said, "Okay, uh, you were exposed. You have and whatever the government allowed, right? Whatever, whatever, right? You're allowed to have this much exposure in the course of a year, and for whatever reason, yes, you received half of that amount, but you're okay because you only received half of that amount. So back to work I go, and while at work, I'm not an idiot. I'm thinking, okay, I had half an amount. What if it happens again today? Yeah. And it was I was I was while well, they were they were changing taking water out of from, from the uh, fuel rods and somehow they think that I must have walked in some of the water so it must have dripped on the floor. Anyhow, uh, I said, or if fifteen years later the government says, oh, we were wrong. We said you could have this much, but you really couldn't have that much exposure. Yeah, I knew I wanted to have a family someday and children, and thought about the long term implications of yeah. exposure to radiation, and I went back to law school. <laughs> I said, and I applied for readmission to the university. You know, came back and and went back to law school. I went for uh, another full semester. I was working for the law firm, at a corporate firm. Uh, on that, that came back that summer, and just didn't enjoy it. I was uh, foolish, because there's so much more I could have done with a law degree other than practice law, or even if I had wanted. Yeah. But I, I said I'm not going to do something that I don't enjoy, and I dropped out of law school. And uh, that's when I actually went back to the dog track, and I got hired as assistant mutual manager of the dog track at the dog track, overseeing uh, over sixty towers. I went from that job to working in transportation, which is a job. What was
0: the dog track like? Like, was it just? betting
1: or yeah it was betting on the dogs were racing was it was a track the dogs the greyhounds were there and people bet on bet on the dogs well you would bet on horses in saratoga huh so the dogs are much faster than the horses one there's less time between the races and the races uh there's a lot a lot it's like half the time yeah it's a much faster pace at the greyhound parks um what's the biggest you've ever
0: seen anybody win there
1: Oh, back! This, don't forget, this was back in the uh, the '80s. Uh, I think maybe the most I ever saw someone was like seven thousand dollars. It was a good chunk of money. Yeah. And you had your people; they called them ten percenters. They were retired people who would cash in for some of these big winners. They would cash. They would take in their tickets and cash them in because they would pay. They They made very little money. Oh, so do you? Get they like would a pay 1099 the ten ninety nine from them, basically. They'd get a ten ninety nine. So they so they would they would basically cash in the ticket. Yeah, they paid the income. They pay the tax on the on the ticket, but they would get ten percent of the earnings of the winnings from the person they were cashing it. Both for. parties work out
0: then. Yes, everybody.
1: So it was. It was, uh, it was. an interesting thing that they did. And you would always see too the, the the big winners would then walk around picking up losing tickets off the floor. People throw down their losers because you can write off your your losses up uh-huh. to the amount of yes. your winnings. So, there's a lot of things that you saw go on that were very interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've
0: only been to the track once, but it was such a fun day. I can see why people love it. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful out. It's the only place I know where you can bring your own alcohol, and there's, like, there's no rules at the track at Saratoga. It's crazy. See,
1: and I've never been to Saratoga, but it, it, it's supposed to be beautiful. But I, I'll tell you, the dog track it was cool, but you also saw people who were truly uh, addicted to gambling. Yeah. They would come up with their. They'd be gambling. And I remember this is a tower. They would. Buy tickets and then they'd come up and they'd be broken. They'd hand you a credit card and ask for a cash advance. At the time, they couldn't um, play, they had to place their bets in cash, but they could get cash advances on their credit cards. Yeah. And they'd hand you a credit card and ask for a thousand dollar cash advance. And then that card might not be able to get the thousand. So they said, Well, try it for 800, try it for 600. They'd take another credit card out. These people would literally spent everything it's a they real had. addiction
0: i'm glad yeah. like i i enjoy gambling but i never was drawn to it like i got i remember uh i won 900 on the night of my wedding off a 30 dollar bet and that was awesome yeah. and i walked away like i'm i'm very good where i'll all right i'm willing to i'm willing to lose a hundred dollars tonight to hang out with my friends and have fun right but you leave your you leave your wallet in your room you walk yeah. down there with a hundred bucks right. and and whatever happens happens and, and when it's gone it's gone. Yeah, right. I never got the bug like I know I know some people and uh
1: older family members who just love it. Like they just I used to enjoy my dad and I used to like going to Foxwoods and we play in the poker tournaments. Mm-hmm. But that was that was cheap. You'd go on a Sunday, you'd pay I think at the time it was $25 buy-in for the tournaments and yeah. you get I can't remember I think it was 500 or 1000 dollars of tournament chips. They weren't Yeah, it wasn't they weren't actual to, money. Right. And you'd sit down at tables and you'd play, and whoever made it to the end, like one time, my father won one of the tournaments, and I think he won sixteen hundred or two thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, you're also
0: doing something all day. And right. you're, it's a you're working out your mind because you know you're you're working on your uh, basically poker face, sales skills. Mm-hmm. How good can you make this person believe this? It's I think I have a big belief that like every every job and everything you do is like cumulative to who you are. Like the best sales skills I ever learned was like working at Texas Roadhouse, and I'm like, all right, like, I don't... They don't speak a ton of English. I don't speak a ton of French. Like, let me see how good of friends I can become with these people, like, before before the check comes out and see what happens. Right. And I think it's jobs like that where you learn that, or you could, you know, the the dog track, you can learn sort of, oh, like, this is this is what I don't want to do. Like, I don't want to do cash advance, and I'm sure you right. see people on payday, they're all excited, right. yes. and then 30 minutes later they leave sad.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, no, you absolutely learn for all those things, absolutely. I left that job. I got a job. I wanted to make more money, um, and I went to work for a trucking company called Roadway Express as a doc supervisor in their management training program roadway no longer exists they've been they were bought up by yellow it's yellow roadway corporation yrc now uh, but i worked for them for quite a few years uh then went to work for a trucking company called conway central express that moved into new england in 1994 i was a day one employee with them in their new england expansion and i moved from connecticut i was working for roadway in connecticut at that time moved to boston to be a salesman for them in the north boston marketplace a little bit close and uh, i can move it back for you It's you okay no i'm good so anyhow, uh, I worked for them in Boston for just under five years. I, myself I was an on-the-road salesman yeah, uh, covering the North Boston market, and I was their number one salesman uh, in New England for a couple of years running. And my reward was I was promoted to manage a facility here in Plattsburgh back in the end of September of 1998. Uh, it was supposed to be a two-year thing it was a training facility and within two years you'd be promoted and move back to a larger facility and move up the corporate ladder and my wife at the time moved with me we had our two daughters and it was in fairness to her it was tough on her when I was in sales I was very active I was on the road a lot mm-hmm. um, and then, then when I came here as a manager I worked long days long hours Yeah, but it was great she stayed home we had a beautiful home she stayed home with the kids uh, there's always trade-offs and everything but I worked long hours. Um, every time I was off for promotion, she wasn't really interested in leaving, said she loved the Adirondacks. True story, she did. It was also true that she loved our neighbor. So long story short, we divorced. Yeah. But all good, all good. And uh, And so I stayed in the area. I never left the area because my children were here. Yeah. And that's how I ended up staying here. And I've lived here now in the North Country longer than anywhere I've lived in my life. I worked for Conway uh, for quite a while. Uh, but after the divorce, I lost my focus, and honestly, I lost my job. Yeah, um, But I ended up working for another trucking company called Old Dominion Freight Lines. I was in sales for them. was promoted to manage their facility in Williston. Uh, and I did that for about a year. And then 2008, when the economy softened... Uh, I got laid off, and that uh, led me to Yipes. I, I was tied to the area because my children were still here. I wasn't mm-hmm. going to leave, and I was dating someone who later became my second wife, um, so I didn't want to leave her either, Yeah. and uh, the, the opportunity came to go to work for Yipes as a manager here in Plattsburgh, uh, and I was hired Yipes and Plattsburgh at that time, and this is going back to, uh, I got hired in December of 2008, was losing 30 to $40,000 hours a year. And I was hired to, to try to turn those losses around or else they were going to just close the store. And so, long story short, which I tell long stories, <laughs> um, I turned the losses around, and I can talk to you later if you want about how, what, how I did that. But I uh, turned those losses around, and when the store was profitable in 2010, the owners put it up for sale. Uh, a friend of mine, Rick Leibowitz, was a director of Small Business Development Center at that time and also a Rotarian. Mm-hmm. And I had joined the Rotary Club. And I went to see Rick, and I said, look, they're selling the business. I know how much profit it makes. I know what I get paid. There's not enough profit that if someone buys it, that they're going to keep me on to manage it. Yeah, they're going to they're going to run it themselves. Mm-hmm. So, do you know anybody who's hiring? Because I need to start looking for a job. And Rick's response was, "I don't know anybody who's hiring, but I know a business you could buy." Yeah. So, long story short, Small Business Development Center was very helpful in writing business plans, approaching banks for financing, and I bought Yipes, and that was in july of 2011 and i've owned and run it since
0: so what do you think is the worst part about running a small business like what is the most challenging or something that you know uh, a young person who's thinking about opening a small business should know
1: they have to know that it's all on them that there is nobody to say it doesn't it doesn't matter at the end of the day if Employees make mistakes. Whatever, it's still if you own the business, it's on you.
0: Yeah, it's all your fault. No
1: matter what happens. Right. Absolutely. And and it's not that that's a bad thing, but it's just a reality. You can't you can't walk away and say someone else is going to deal with it. You have to deal with it. You have to fix it. You have to take the onus. You have to take it upon yourself. Otherwise, your business is not going to succeed.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, like I always in the morning, it doesn't matter if somebody in Arkansas messed up or if we messed up. It's it's our fault because we are we are the ones who are the the name, the one who's saying what it is right. and you gotta just take ownership of whatever right. happens because even if it's an employee's fault, you hired them. At the end of the day, no matter what happens, it's your fault. Right.
1: Absolutely and if there's a closing that's gotta happen, it doesn't matter what the excuse is or the reason is, you've gotta find a way now to make that closing happen.
0: Yeah. And I found, too, like, saying, like, even if it's not your fault, like, taking ownership, saying, I'm so sorry, like, we, <coughs> we messed up, this is our fault, versus sort of like, oh, like, it's not our fault, The under- we're going to fire that underwriter, and, you know, right. next deal is going to be, I think, the, the way to sort of man up, and no matter what happens, say it's your fault, and take a loss, or do something, like, I had a, I had a customer where the pig got too big because i didn't schedule the butcher date right and so the bill was a lot more than i than it would have been normally and it's not like they they got all that meat but i took i took i think 100 150 off of it and i'm so sorry and that sort of thing and you know i could have just been like hey man sorry man your pig your pig weighed that much right but then you lose it like especially up here we're a small community right the the more i get involved in the community the more i realize like everybody is interrelated like every Not 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 like related like that, but I mean no, their absolutely. cousin is dating this, they're married to the CAO of that and it's important. Like you gotta really be good to your word here. And it's it pays off because in the in the short run you might think like, Oh man, now this person hates me, like it's my fault but the problem already happened. If you defer it and blame somebody else, like, oh oh the well the butcher couldn't take mm-hmm. it in. That's not my fault. Sorry, this is the bill. Right. They're going to be like, you know, screw that guy. Like he, what a jerk off. Like he. But if you take take the loss, take the short term loss, you know, you're going to have a repeat customer, and that person might come back to you in the
1: long run. Absolutely, and you you need repeat customers. This is not a large enough community. This is not Albany. It's not Schenectady. There is a finite number of available customers. Yeah. And if you get a bad reputation, or you don't get repeat customers. You're going to run out of your well is going to dry up. Mm -hmm. So you need to. uh, When I was in sales in Boston, I always said sales was like a big funnel. Yeah, and I was constantly—I knew the customers were going to pour out the bottom of the funnel. My goal was I need to make sure that I was putting more customers in at the top of the funnel than were coming out the bottom. Mm -hmm. And that is that is a truth to sales there are always going to be some customers dropping off and it may not be for any fault of your own it may not even be competitors they may maybe they got old and passed away maybe maybe in my case with the when i was in trucking the business closed up yeah. maybe they closed a the plant and moved any, yeah, moved away but so you always have to be putting more in but that's especially true here because uh, it, it's not i was saying it, it's especially true here that there are fewer customers to put in the top so you can't afford to have so many dropping out the bottom there are things that you can't help but the ones that you can
0: yeah. you
1: cannot afford to lose those The cost to get a new customer mm-hmm. is so expensive and there's not that many new customers to get
0: yeah it's I think of it as twofold though because it's nice like um you can you can be somebody here and sort of make a difference and, and meet a lot of people because we are a small community. So there's pros and cons to it, Because <clears throat> like, I came here in 2010 for college. I didn't make any real professional connections besides some of my professors. And then I really entered the real world here in, in 20, 2015, basically. And I'm not saying like, I'm a big shot and mm-hmm. people are like, oh, that's Matt Craig, but like joining Rotary, mm-hmm. joining ADKYP like, when I go places, I know people. And, oh, like, yeah, Matt's, Matt's a good guy. He sells me eggs or he sold my house. Like, that's that's really what I worry about. Like, I don't know. It's uh, I think I think especially in a small community, like, your word is so important. And being known as a good person and a good business person is Absol- paramount.
1: Absolutely, it's paramount. I also think it's very paramount that, uh, and from a personal standpoint, that in the morning when you get up and you look in the mirror... That you can like the person who's looking back at you, mm-hmm. and you have to know that that's a good person looking back at you. Yeah. And yes, I agree with you about about involvement it, in the community. It helps. It helps you on a personal level. It helps you on a business level. Um, I can't speak highly enough about the the good things that have c- come to me because of my involvement in the community. And I say good things, not just from terms of my business prospering but from terms of feeling good about the things i do about feeling a feeling of being uh respected and liked by people that i think are worthy of my respect yeah and praise you know that that's an important thing to me um some people say you shouldn't care what other people think about you but if the right people think good things about me that's important to me
0: you shouldn't change who you are because of what people think mm-hmm. about you but it does matter. Like, I, I always tell people, like, I have some customers who probably hate me. I have some customers mm-hmm. who love me. I'm not going to let that really affect me. Right. But I'm still going to take it into consideration and still try and do my best by everybody and be known as, like, you know, he's a, he's a straight shooter. Like, if, if right. he told me an interest rate, it was good. If the closing cost, it was good. And sometimes it is out of my control. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes we'll give a lender credit to, like, we'll lose money on it to make our word right but people are going to remember that in the long run and it's i mean it's rotary has been awesome for me because Mm -hmm. i'm surprised that more honestly people who are in real sales businesses aren't in rotary because every week you have a chance to interact with 100 people and sales is all about meeting people and Mm -hmm. not even sales just growing your network (laughs) because i think um we had somebody come to adkyp and um they didn't They didn't make connections right away. They just tried to sell you and set up up a Mm. meeting. Like, oh, yeah, 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 let's meet. Let's get coffee. Let's hang out. I'm like, oh, great. I'm, you know, cool guy. I'm going to get some coffee with him. Boom. Opens up right into a sales pitch, like, before before the coffee's even down. And, you know, that, if it's a numbers game and you have coffee with 100 people, probably 10 of them are going to want to do that. But you, like, whenever I have a meeting with a realtor, like, I wanna learn about them. I wanna to talk to them at the beginning. I don't wanna just go in for the sales pitch and it doesn't matter. All banks are the same. If you got twenty percent down, you can walk into T D bank, you can walk into Community Bank, you can walk into my bank, you can walk in anywhere. People are gonna to wanna to work with who they trust. And it's like the same with graphics and stuff. I'm sure I'm sure it's it's not as easy, but it's possible to get it. You know, you can get it shipped in from China, you can go on Amazon. There's always there's always ways to do it like that. But people are going to work with you because
1: they trust you and like you. I I agree. Uh, I will, I tell people, uh, you know, be very honest, I joined Rotary, you're, you're talking about Rotary, so I'll go to Rotary. I joined Rotary originally, I was an employee of Yipes. So I did not own the store at that time, and I talked, I was approached by Bob Parks about joining the club, uh, a man who's probably brought more members into Plattsburgh Rotary than any person. Yeah. Single handle, he's probably brought in over 30, 30 40 members. But anyhow, um, Bob had reached out to me, and I reached out to the owner of Yipes, and I said, "Marshall, I think that this is an organization that we should be a part of, uh, that I should be a part of, and represent Yipes. I think that we'll make good connections in the community, and it can it can help our business. And we and I joined because of that. Yeah. Um, I can tell you, one hundred percent truthfully, and, and someday, even when I am no longer, when I no longer own a business or I'm running a business I will still be a Rotarian because the connections that you make are not just for business they're, they're, they're great friends, uh, they're people who are like-minded in wanting to help their community and the world around them um, who like to give back and those those relationships are invaluable personally as well as from a business standpoint and I probably didn't see honestly a penny of business from rotary for over a year for about a year because what you were talking about it's not about I didn't go in trying to sell people yeah or saying I'm in rotary so you need to come to business with me it was getting involved and in, I became involved in rotary mm-hmm. and got to know people and become friends with people and I think you know that I I felt very there are some rotarians that I have Developed incredible relationships with, him. you know, we recently lost a, a rotarian that yeah. personally has hit me very hard, and is a person I only knew through Rotary and became one of my great friends and someone that I really admired and looked up to. Um, so that's uh, that is certainly a big part of my yeah. I mean, of it's, my life.
0: It's once a week, like it's it's not a super big commitment, and I'm not going to make this like a super hmm. Rotary pitch, right. but... Wherever you are, like if whatever business you're in, I I'm not gonna lie, I joined Adirondack Young Professionals Mm -hmm. when I first started purely, purely for business. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to put more money in my pocket.
1: Right. And then there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah, the more I got involved, the better my return on investment was and the more the more people I know. And it doesn't matter what business you're in, like there there could be a chance when you're gonna pivot and do a new business or do a new venture and those connections that you have are going to be so invaluable and especially if you build good rapport and sort of trust like oh yeah you know what he said he said 4 p m board meeting he was there at 355 like that's a stand up guy that's a stand up girl i trust mm-hmm. him and i think sort of i i i feel like the like with the tech sort of the big tech industry and you know the stock market in general like got to got to pump up quarterly profits got to do this got to hit this goal some things you can't necessarily measure you can in the long term like if i get you know one deal from rotary it pays off but connections and getting more involved in your community and it feels good like it's it's great like right. polio is a real thing like eradicating polio mm-hmm. across the world like you you do feel good you raise money for a good cause like if if somebody in rotary is having <coughs> tough times we raise money for them right like yeah i'm i'm broke but i'll give whatever's as much as i can out of my wallet right mm-hmm. now because it's a it's a good thing and it's some things are more intrinsic and you can't like i can't i can't do the return on investment of saying hi to people who i never would have met at rotary but right who knows maybe one day their granddaughter or them or somebody will want to buy a house so well
1: and you don't even know there are people that, that you don't know that you're getting returned somebody comes in they don't necessarily tell you that they heard or or the person that told them to come see you heard about you from someone else mm-hmm. that was a rotarian or an ADKY professional mm-hmm. whatever maybe or in my case I'm a member of the Platform professional connections group yeah. uh networking group and so you don't even know that they are perhaps a third or fourth chain down yeah. referral. So everything you do, uh, I think I told you I stopped at uh, the ground round today for lunch. Yeah. And while I was there, I ran into someone and that just chatting. And that wasn't why I went there and I ended up with a sale. Mm-hmm. So.
0: I remember in college too, like I was, I was in a fraternity in college and um, I was lucky enough to go down to Atlanta for leadership conferences. And they said basically you're always wearing your letters and that always stuck with me. So it doesn't matter if let's say you're in college and you're being you're being stupid at a bar, you had too many drinks before. You are not only representing yourself, you're representing every single fraternity on campus, every single mm-hmm. sorority, and sort of the whole Plasper community. It's the and you know, I always I always brought that into my business, like all the time I'm an employee of my business. So if if I tip good, they're gonna say that's great. If I'm an a hole at the bar and I do something stupid, they're gonna say, Oh, all mortgage brokers, like those mortgage guys, they think they're they think they're hot shit, they think they're worth so much money, like screw those guys. Mm-hmm. And you're always you're always representing more than yourself mm-hmm. whenever whatever you're doing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So Um So what do you
0: think how um Hmm. I don't want to take it take it like too political, but what do you mm. feel about... Because I remember this... In the beginning of the conversation, yeah, I was yeah. going to say something. Because you yeah. listen to NPR, Fox, NBC. So you're mm. a bit of a centrist. So you might... Are you far right?
1: or I consider my... <laughs> oh, I know people say it's a cop-out. <laughs> I consider myself a social liberal yeah. and a fiscal conservative. Uh, if you ask me to pick a political party, I would tell you I'm a libertarian. I believe that less government... Is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I believe that uh, I have the ability to talk to my neighbors and work things out with my neighbors. I don't need government telling, being involved in that. Um, that said, I I do recognize a need for government in certain aspects of our life, uh, but I am definitely not a proponent of big government. Um, I am concerned about our current political uh, situation. Uh, and that is that I'm concerned not about what party's in power or anything. I'm concerned about how far left and how far right people have gone. So that anybody who speaks as what I would consider a moderate, who's willing to consider the other side's point of views, and I like to consider myself somewhat of a moderate, um, that you get shouted down. They get shouted down. Yeah, from both by, sides. From both sides. Uh, if you're willing to concede that uh, a woman might have control of her own body and, and the right to make choices, how can you consider yourself a conservative? Yeah, you're, you're a left-wing radical. And if you say that I can that you could see positives in some of the things that have occurred under President Trump's term as president, how can you say that he's a horrible evil man and if you think that you see anything positive in anything that he's done you must be a horrible evil person yeah and that's not the case
0: it really worries me that you that's one thing i like about the podcast where i can there's nobody yelling at me it's not facebook comments Mm -hmm. i can actually because i'm like i'm 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 i I would consider myself a libertarian too and the hard thing is like i don't know the answer to the problems like i Mm -hmm. fell off I fell off my loft once and jacked up my back a little, and I, I couldn't get up, so I had to call an ambulance ride. If I didn't have insurance, that would have been 12000 So right. I don't – and I know that bills change if you click I have insurance versus I don't have insurance. Right. And I don't know what the answer to that is. Like I don't want – if an 18-year-old whose parents don't have insurance breaks their legs, I don't want them to – be screwed for life. I don't want them to have to declare bankruptcy. Right. Bankruptcy or medical costs is the number one reason for bankruptcy in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But also if someone is willing to work and doesn't – or able to work and doesn't want to work, I don't want them to live I, – I want them to eat. I want them to have a roof over their head. I want the basic necessities met. But I don't want them to live lavishly or have more spending money than <coughs> me, that sort of thing. And it's it's hard for mm-hmm. me because I don't I, I don't know what the right
1: answer is. Right. And without being in their shoes, I can't say what they can and can't do, but I will take it a step further. And I will say, if they are able to work, and they choose not to, shame on them. Yeah. And I know some people brand me a right-wing radical for saying this, but shame on them, and it is not my responsibility nor the responsibility of any other working person to put a roof over their head and food on their table if they are truly capable yeah. of providing for themselves. Now, that said, I haven't sat in their shoes, and I don't know what they're truly capable of, but I do know that there are some people, and I say this from, I had, I'm not naming names, I've had someone work for me in the past who lives off the system now, who worked for me, and lost his job working for me because I sent him to the mall to work at my display uh, during the holiday season. And when I went to the mall to check and see how things were going, this person was nowhere to be found. Yeah. And when I called him on the on the cell phone to say, how's things going at the display? It's going
0: great. Why, bud?
1: Absolutely. And I said, why? Because I'm standing here. And you're not here, and I've been here for 20 minutes waiting. I thought maybe you went to the bathroom. You for you to come back, and you haven't come back. Obviously, you're not here. And tomorrow we can discuss why you're no longer going to be working for me. Yeah. And that person went to some other jobs and didn't keep them, and now lives on. But he was an incredibly bright person, quite honestly. But it was a person, who was always looking for the easy way out. Yeah. And I don't. And it bothers me that people work hard and do without. And the system provides him with a roof over his head, food, and there are people who need more than the system can provide them because and because there's no money for them. Yeah. And my my feeling is that particular individual is stealing from those people. Yeah. Uh. But that said, well, I I, the- I don't say I haven't sat in his shoes, so I don't know. Maybe he has substance abuse. Issues or something yeah, that something I don't know came up. So, I, in fairness, but
0: well, I feel like the buck, like people don't realize the big unions, the people, the massive employers, they're not feeling it because they already have million dollars of profits built in. Mm-hmm. Most of whatever regulations we pass is going to be on the small business owner. No matter what it is, it's gonna, it's not going to hurt McDonald's if they give a, a to it. They're just two robots. But the small mm-hmm. business owners. The people who make America what it is today, who worked really hard and, you know, made something for themselves. the Immigrants who came over mm-hmm. here and worked hard and now they have a family and a business to pass down. It's getting harder and harder for the small business owner to to keep their head above float because everything keeps going up and up
1: and up. And you can't pass all those costs along, unfortunately. You try to, but you can't. You'll be out of his... Okay, more Thank more you. than welcome to another, my okay, sir. Good. So, uh, that is... Uh, no doubt, a reality. There is um, issues that I have with regulations. There's costs involved that are are very can be very onerous. Uh, onerous, I don't know the right word, but but anyhow, and it's tough. You can't pass it on. You want to pay people a reasonable wage. Minimum wage has gone up uh, to point. I can tell you that in a business like mine fifteen dollars an hour at the counter would mean that i would have to raise yeah raise prices raise prices people
0: don't think that's 30 grand a year and if that person doesn't provide 30 grand a year in value it's hard for the small business owner and it's easy for a big corporation to pivot and you know do add this do invest in research and development and we can in six months we can have all the robot checkouts good to go but small business owner can't do that no and then it's going to become more of a, you know, the massive mega corporation society.
1: I don't know. And there's a lot of things. Look, I see the value in certain leave acts. Like I, I have two daughters who are in their, their early twenties, and I don't want them to have to struggle. If they ever decide when, if they get married and they decide to have a family, I don't want them to worry about their job being there. I want them to be able to financially afford to take time off to be with their child. But as a small businessman, if I had to if i had to be told that someone was leaving my my work and i had to either provide income for them for the next 6 months or guarantee the, their job at the end of 6 months it would be very hard who am i going to go out and hire and say look i want you to leave whatever you're doing come work for me as a qualified individual but know that 6 months from now yeah you're going to be out of a job it's very tough to find someone for that when you only have 2 or 3 employees it's not like you can say, "Okay, well, maybe we can suck it up. We've got 20 employees. One person's gone. Everybody works a little bit harder. We can we can make that work. We can bring in a temp, yeah. temp for the easier things." But when it's a small business, uh, and 20 employees would still be a small business. That's probably even a poor example. But if you had hundreds of employees, you can you can make that work. When you have only a handful of employees, that person becomes. If you have five employees. That person was 20% of your workforce. Yeah. Could you do without 20% of your pay all at once? It'd be very difficult. Could I do without 20% of my workforce all at once? That'd be very difficult. And can I replace that 20% easily if I tell the, whoever I'm trying to get to replace it that the job is only temporary and yet I need you to do to do great work? Yeah, you need to fill in that whole 20%. And right.
0: Yeah, it's, it's tough because that's – I don't know. I see that's where – it seems like regulation mostly hurts small businesses, and that's why I'm sort of anti-regulation on a thing. Mm-hmm. We need mol- monopoly protection. We can't have people price gouging. We right. can't have people engaging in unfair business practices. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we can't have over-regulation and government money. Mm-hmm. Like I always say, the, the government is the only business that has to run without a P&L. Like they yeah. don't. <laughs> it's
1: very true. They can just print extra money. It's no. fine. We'll figure it out. No. And I want. I believe we need to protect the environment. We can't just... You know, not that I don't do oil changes at Yipes, but I can't do oil change. But somebody can't do oil changes and go dump the oil out in the backyard. Yeah, I get that, and and that and that doesn't matter whether it's a small business or a large business. You, you can't be doing that. Yeah. But some regulations that are being proposed and some of the things that exist now are very difficult for small businesses, and that's why I actually in the last year joined the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Because of the work that they do to help small businesses and independent business people. Um, because I started to realize some of the things that are going on down in Albany yeah. are definitely affecting my ability and the long-term prosperity of Yipes and whether, uh, you know, is it going to still be a viable business that's going to provide an income for myself and a few employees in five years or is it something that's going to become obsolete and not able to, to run? And I think that people are going to be, when, 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 between regulation and Internet, small small downtown businesses and small retail establishments and small even service businesses are forced out or, or pushed to, to non-profitability where people just decide it's not worth doing this. People are going to lose because people like to shop on the Internet, but they still like to walk into a store and touch things or talk to people. What happens is people do that. They walk into the stores, talk to people, touch things, and then leave that store and go shop their best price on the internet.
0: Yeah, I can so they, get the same box for 700 and you're 800 or something like that. Right.
1: But what's going to happen is when that small business goes out, now you're not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm fond of saying you can get things cheap, you can get things fast, you can get things good, but you can't get all three. Yeah. And I've become, I'll give you an example. I was a victim of my of my own frugality, I guess. My truck, my shop truck needed wheel bearings. And I called a few of the auto parts look, stores here in Plattsburgh. And a wheel bearing was going to be $154 because it has a speed sensor, anyhow, per side. And my technician, Jason, said, Jack, I was just looking, we can get from this, detroit axle online on ebay here you can buy two wheel bearings with speed sensors for 125 dollars i said you know what that's too great a savings i have to i have to buy those yeah so i bought them we get the we get the wheel bearings in the boxes put the truck up on 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 the lift take the old wheel bearing off toss it go to put a new one on the right side and realize that the uh wire going to the speed sensor was broken in the box. Call the company. So no problem. We'll, we're going to send you a call ticket. Send it back. As soon as you send it back, call us and tell us so we can send you a new one.
0: Three weeks Great. later.
1: And that's what happened. I went to I went to UPS. I, I, I turned it in. I called. There was no answer. I left a message. Uh, I track. This was on a Thursday night. Now the truck is sitting. Yeah, it's up, up it's on up, the left. I don't do know if I can't right do back. anything. It's missing a wheel, wheel bearing. You can't, you can't just say, well, let's put it back together. Uh, Tuesday, I see that the part's been delivered. I still don't have a new part. Try calling them. I call every day for three days. Can't get an answer. Can't get anyone in the customer service to call me back. Finally, on that following Friday, I get someone who says, oh, we didn't realize it came back. You didn't call us. I said, I've been trying to call you, left a message. Yeah. We'll get one right out to you. The following Wednesday, I got the new part. In the meantime, I needed the lift for work. We had to put that truck down, put a floor jack on wheels under the, the wheel bearing and try and push the vehicle back, keeping it on a jack, shove it off into a corner. Didn't have the use of the vehicle for almost two weeks. Yeah. Until I got And that was, so I saved the money. But if I had bought that from the local parts store and that wheel bearing had had a bad broken wire to the speed sensor... I could have gone back into the... Yeah, hey, whether it was O'Reilly, Advanced this, Auto. Yeah. Turned it in, they would have gave me another one. And if they didn't have it, they would have had it for me next day. I bought it cheap. And I didn't get it. And I thought I got it fast. But in the end, it wasn't fast. And it wasn't good.
0: Yeah. I learned that when I was younger. I was I was big into eBay. I remember, mm-hmm. I think it was... I don't know. I got a pair. It was crazy. I used to get stuff shipped from... South Korea and it would be like three dollars shipped which doesn't make any, any sense, sense to me no. when you think about something coming like my parents like I used to get the craziest packages because I was always I bought and flipped a bunch of stuff any youngins at the end of you, at the end of the year buy all your friends calculators for twenty dollars the ti 89s you can flip them for a great profit next <laughs> September on eBay but um I got you know a pair of headphones or something for three dollars and came pretty quick and then I don't know, I got three weeks of use out of them and they broke and I sort of learned I never buy the cheapest, I never buy the most expensive, I always buy the middle. Right. The middle is right where you want to be because the the most expensive, it's, it's probably the best, but you don't need all that extra stuff. The sure. cheapest, it's going to break right in the middle, like a good a good solid company who's not, mm-hmm. doesn't have the biggest marketing budget but delivers a solid product is, has
1: helped me the most. I I agree. And I've learned that the same is true in even services provided. Yeah. Uh, The lowest cost provider, somebody who gives their prices, gives their service away, they have to cut corners somewhere. They have to make a living. And so if they're doing it for you, if somebody else quotes you to, I don't know, come in and after the winter rake out your yard, bring all the sod back from what was pushed up by the plows and power broom in your yard and one guy comes in and gives you a quote for 600 another guy comes in and gives you a quote for 550 and then some guy comes in and gives you a quote for 300 well think about it how is that guy coming in for 300 when everybody else is that high what is he shortcutting are there going to be stones left in your yard that you're going to hit with your lawnmower and toss up at a, at a window? Yeah, window is it not going to be raked out or is he, is he not is it going to is it going to take him five weeks to get the job done there's you got to think about it. The cheapest, now you might get. Maybe he is. Maybe he was going to give you a good job, but you got to talk to him and find out because odds are the cheapest is not going to be as good. Now you don't have to go buy the. Now if somebody else came in and gave you a quote for nine hundred, that's crazy. Yeah. But that five five six hundred dollar guy is probably the guy that's going to be that's going to do the job right, and still be a reasonable cost. And you hope it's something minor where you, like, uh,
0: recently I was feeling stressed about a few things, and. Uh, And my boss said, well, how much did that mistake cost you? And I was like, well, you know, the posts weren't in right. $3 for the post, $6 for the bag of concrete, $9 mistake times 10 posts. That was a $90 mistake. He's like, that's awesome that you learned that lesson.
1: For only $90. For
0: only $90. And that is, I don't even think he realized it when he said that to me, but like that blew my mind where it's like, oh, wow. Like I'm not, you, there's some, there's, jeff bezos learned a 500 million dollar yeah, lesson like right. there's you can learn lessons and you have to think of everything in a positive way like oh i lost i lost a great referral partner you know what i learned like i gotta i gotta give updates a little better or i gotta do this a little better or mm. it's it's a good way to think of like spinning the positive or spinning the negative into a positive and think about it or how did you grow what did you learn or what's the What's the absolute worst case scenario? Like, is your, are you going to starve to death? No. Are you going <clears> to, <throat> nothing that bad is going to happen. Maybe you have somebody who's angry. Maybe, um, like, one of the worst maybe you'll lose a good friend or something like that. But there's there's not a lot of lessons that you can learn for super cheap that aren't going to teach you something. So it's, no.
1: I would say losing a good friend is, a, is an expensive lesson. Yeah. Um, but, and it's true. And there's lessons you learn too. Uh, I've learned. You have to give back, and it's actually when I, I used to belong to a group called Business Networking International, it's now we've evolved into Plastic Professional Connections, but they had a saying about givers gain, and what it was is basically, you have to give back to other people if you expect them to give to you. Um, I will tell you as a small business, and it's, I am often, very often approached for various fundraisers or sponsorships I wish I could afford to, to, to donate to all of them, I can't but I do try to give to those that are worthy and as much as I can but one of the things that I'll do is if a person comes in asking for something and they have never ever been in my store I'm not as apt quite, And I'm very honest, maybe but I think more about the people who I see regularly if they come to me and they have a worthy cause I want to give back to them because they've supported my business um, I tell a story, and this happened about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. I had a person who had come into my store looking for quotes on some items. And uh, I don't remember whether it was tonneau cover or steps for his truck, but it was something. And I recall that like a week and a half, two weeks later, they came back into my store. And I thought it was coming in to say, hey, I thought about it. Here's, I, want, I want you to go ahead and order that for me. And it wasn't. He was coming in because there was some fundraiser, whether it was for hockey or little league, and he wanted me to give a donation and something to it. And I said, but I didn't. Realize, so what happened was, I said to him, I said, "Oh, you're back in. Do You want me to order that?" Oh, well, Whatever right you? now
0: I'm okay. Right now, I'm going to do it next year.
1: Well, no, he, he was very upfront. He goes, Jack. He goes, he goes. No offense, but you know, I found the part, the same thing on Amazon for fifty dollars less. He said, I said, hey. I get it. You know, we all work hard for our money. Fifty dollars, fifty dollars, and then I said, "So, what can I help you with?" I'm thinking maybe there's something. And that's when he said. I I'm found the
0: sponsorship for fifty dollars less. Well, that's
1: basically right. <laughs> he came in, he was looking for me to donate. To yeah. And my response to him was, "You need to ask Amazon for a donation." He said, "How much does?" I said, "How much does Amazon give back to Plattsburgh?" Yeah. And he was upset at first, but I said, "Honestly," he said, "Think about it. You are asking me to dig into the profits of my business, which are profits from my pocket." Yeah. It's the money that I live on, that my family lives on, and you want me to take some of that money and give it to you for your organization. But the only way I have that money is from the profit that I make from sales here in the yeah. community. If you take and give that sale to Amazon, and I get it, fifty dollars, and I don't remember how expensive it was. Like it was probably it was like a five six hundred dollar item we was looking at, so it was probably ten percent. But also, perhaps if we come back and said, "Look, Jack, I can get it on Amazon for fifty dollars less." I probably couldn't have matched that price, honestly, but maybe I could have come down twenty bucks and been within thirty. Yeah, it would allow me profit to give back to them for that thing. And people need to realize that they need to uh, give back within their community to, to local businesses, to local mortgage lenders, if they hope to have those individuals give back to the things that are important to them in the community.
0: Yeah. And not even that, so. like I, I forget who it was. I, I listen to a lot of business podcasts and follow a lot of mortgage guys who were killing mm-hmm. it. And they're like, the best thing you can do for your business is figure out what your friend's business are and make them money and send them customers. Like I've been on a big kick. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's been like pretty close to me, mm-hmm. like trying to figure out what I can do. Like I'm, I'm approaching one of my good friend's dads about like a big mm-hmm. Something that's going to hopefully make one of my friends good money. And I'm, I'm scared about it. But I know if I can help even get them an introduction to that deal mm-hmm. and hopefully make them some money, it's going to come back tenfold. If I just call them once a week and ask for referrals, you know, they'll give me some people. I, mm-hmm. I did good on their mortgage. But if I help their business and help them make money, that's right. how you're really going to get a return on investment.
1: Right. Because they, they want to help you. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You want to help people help you. And... <clears throat> And also, um, for myself, I'm starting to realize time, my time is valuable and sometimes my time it's worth more to me to pay someone else to help me with something and help their business, even if it's something that I might be able to do myself because, and that's a lesson I've learned And that, uh, I would tell somebody starting out in business too, you would ask me in the beginning, prioritize your efforts because there's only so much of you to go around. You're working long hours. Uh. There are many days I start my day at, you know, I might start, I might be at a Platinum Professional Connections meeting at 7 o'clock in the morning and not leave my store till 8, 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, we close at 5, but there's work that goes on after the doors close and the lights go out. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you only have so much time. Pick and choose. Maybe, you know what, yes, you are capable of cleaning the toilets and do that, but if you can pay some if you can bring in a janitorial service to clean those toilets at a reasonable price and you can take that time and utilize it to generate greater return on your money, that's you need to be smart. You need to, to realize that you you your time is valuable, you need to prioritize it because as much as you want to, you cannot necessarily do everything yourself. You have to you have to just re- look at what is important and prioritize your efforts. Um, What else can I tell you? I've been left alone for just a minute. If we're live here, I guess Matthew had to step out. But uh, call us up. Well, I guess you can't call us. So I'm going to ramble a little bit not to leave you with dead air. I will tell you that Matthew has been an excellent host, <laughs> providing me with uh, Bullet Bourbon Frontier Whiskey, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And I got to tell you, this stuff is not bad. Right? Goes that smooth? Yes, it does. Especially mixed with the Canada Dry is very good. Whoops. Yeah, I knocked the desk apart. You're good. Don't worry about
0: it. <laughs> I see it all the time in the, in the mortgage business where it's like you got to hire. I think some people jump ahead. Like... Um, you got to hire an assistant. You can't be answering the phone. You're not going to be making money if you're mm-hmm. not making sales calls. And I think there's like a certain balance to it where you got to you got to put in the work and grind until you physically can't do it anymore mm-hmm. and then hire versus sort of jump in the gun. Like the number one killer of businesses is overhead. Oh yes. Cuz we talked about that. Like don't don't base your numbers on your best month. Base it on your worst month or the the 24 mm-hmm. or 36 month average as far as you can go back because I see a lot of people they jump right in They're, this is gonna be amazing we're gonna like the first month might have been amazing second third month but the six seven eight nine like you gotta you gotta take it like i i'm a big believer of slow and steady wins the race like don't don't grow too big invest in your team and invest in training people who are going to make mm-hmm. you that good return on investment because you invested in them
1: well and, it's, and you do have to be smart about that and you don't want to waste and i'll tell you we did talk a little bit and I didn't bring this up but so when I first bought the business I had vested everything I had into it. I borrowed money from family. Yeah. I cashed in pensions and I bought the business and started and I had enough money in the bank to carry the business for a month and that first year was pretty good. I had cash was coming in and I started to feel very comfortable and I went out and I started to eat out at nicer restaurants, eat out every night, uh, take the kids to Jay Peak for a weekend, and spend the money. And what happened was I got into that second row Car Star season, had cash coming in, spending it. I always made sure I was smart about sales tax every week. I pull aside the money that I, that I took in sales tax, and I put yeah. it aside. Payroll taxes, I set that money aside. So that money doesn't belong to me. I make sure I always have it. But spending, saving other money, I didn't. All of a sudden, about, about April of my second year, business slowed up as it does in April, and I didn't have any cash in the bank to carry me. Yeah, Thank goodness for a line of credit, because I needed it, and I used it to keep things going. And then I spent a year and a half paying that line of credit back. And I learned a value. With interest. <laughs> with interest. With good interest. <laughs> yeah. The line of credit was prime plus 2%, I think, and that keeps compounding
0: the it's the compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world whether it's (laughs) working for you or against you
1: yes and in that case it's working against you yeah it was thank goodness I had it to use but uh, I learned a lesson and every year after that when I had my busy season in the fall going into Christmas season when I had extra money I socked it away in a separate savings account for the business and if I made it through to the next season and I still had it, that was my that's my money. That's then, my money, right? That's yeah. my money to spend. Then I can say, oh, maybe I'm going to look at a new vehicle this year. Maybe I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But if I need it, I have it, and I don't touch it. And there has been years I've needed it. And I come to the next season, and I don't have that money left over. There's other years when I've got it, but I. It was a hard lesson. And if I didn't, quite honestly, and uh, shout out to Champlain National Bank who helped me out. When I bought the business, fi- believing in me and my business plan and financing me, and then also giving me a line of credit. And thank goodness for that line of credit. Yeah. Uh, because it kept me going at the time. Now, I generally do not need it and have not needed it since then. But if I had not had it, I would have been in trouble.
0: Well, I think credit, too. Like, credit is supposed to be a safety net. You're not supposed to live on it. Like- right. Right. I right out of college like I got super deep in credit card debt because oh I'm in sales man I'm, I'm gonna kill this sales game like, <laughs> next month it's all good I can go out to eat I can I'll spend 200 with a turtle it's all good next month and wow. then when you know I'll never forget the moment every credit card I had was maxed out I they told me I had eleven dollars in credit and I went to buy a pack of cigarettes and a gallon of milk got declined. And I put the milk back. I just got the pack of cigarettes. And I I specifically remember that moment because I was young. I didn't – I was doing my best trying to learn everything. But that taught me like credit isn't to live on. Credit is when you need it. Like and I'm still still paying off that debt. And I know I see a lot of people's financial situation. Like it's tough. It's easy because you see – on social media, like, oh man, everybody else is going on vacation. You don't know if their parents are paying for that vacation. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on in their life.
1: Well, they're putting it on a credit card and they're yeah, pi- or they're, they're piling up the debt. Yeah, because you are
0: you pay it back. I mean, now now there's law where at the very bottom of your credit card statement, it's going to tell you right. what happens if it's only the minimum payment. Right. It's probably, you know, if it's a two grand payment, you're probably going to pay four grand over the life of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why banks have the big, nice buildings and people make the big bucks because it's interest is interest is a magical thing working for you and it's a horrible thing working against you
1: absolutely
0: and i think um like i got lucky i learned i learned it with a relatively cheap mistake because i didn't have super high credit limit and i didn't uh you know i wasn't i always had money like to pay pay my rent or pay my mortgage so i never Mm -hmm. went i was never uh trying to hit it big at the dog track but right (laughs) i learned that and it's I got lucky that I learned that lesson early on and that I learned it at a good time because my the business turned around a little before that because every business no business is all up. Every business is up and down. So that you got to learn to stock stuff away when you have a good month and it's yeah. it's important because it doesn't matter what business you're in. There's going to be hard times, there's going to be good times. So when you're doing great, put away a ton. Don't don't go spending crazy, don't buy the new that when you first move out of college, when you first, when you're still living at home and you got a nice, nice salary, mm-hmm. don't buy the nice car on the lot. Get a used car because two years from now, when you, you know, you move out, you're living with your significant other, that car payment is going to seem like a lot more versus when you had your whole income ahead of you.
1: Absolutely, and you need to also be, uh, and this is not even just for business, but this is in personal, you have to be aware credit card companies and credit in general they say credit can work against you they like to give you so you start maxing out your credit card all of a sudden sometimes magically your credit limit just goes up Mm -hmm. and i remember um and this is probably not a good thing but i joke about it uh and i am dating a wonderful woman i'm going to preface by saying i'm dating a wonderful woman that i'm going to spend the rest of my life with you heard it but but i am yes angela i love you but uh I am the king of short-term relationships. I have been the king of short-term relationships and the king of failed marriages. Um, and my second wife would sometimes use a credit card. And I always kept waiting for the credit card because I knew she, every month it'd build up and we had credit card debt like other people. And I kept waiting. okay, she's going to hit the limit on the card this month and it's going to be okay because that's going to stop. That's going to put a stop to it.
0: Yeah,
1: And we're going to have to live in our means until we can pay it down and get some more credit. But what happened is... Just keep going they up. They keep going up. And I say, "How?" so one time I finally, I picked the phone, I called the credit card company, I said, what is going on? I thought our limit was, you know, $11,000 or whatever it was, and now I see it's at $12,000. Oh, well, you exceeded, and your credit, you, you pay every month, and your credit yeah, score is good. so good. We'll make so the money Don't back. worry about it. We'll, 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 we gave you more credit. I said, stop. Do not give us any more credit. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I said, I'm choking on it. <laughs> and... uh and that's the thing, too. You have to be careful because you start to assume. You get comfortable thinking, well, they say it's okay, so it must be okay. I'm making payments. No, you have to. And this is just me being, I don't God, know, give, him, giving our know. podcast listeners. A list. Don't don't let the credit card company tell you what you can afford. You know what you can afford. And if whether somebody else tells you you can afford more than that, don't. I remember when I shopped for my first house. I had a good job. I was, a, I was an on-road salesman for Roadway Express at the time, or I maybe mean, it was with Conway, but I was making good money. And they said you can afford a mortgage up to X, and I and they told me what the payment. I said no, I want I want Y. Right, I I'm going to look B or C. Not right, X. that's it. And I started looking at houses in that price range. And honestly, the first home that I bought was in Billerica, Massachusetts, and I paid $122,000 for a three-bedroom, one-bath ranch. And I was approved for mortgages up to over two hundred thousand. This was back in nineteen ninety five. What do you think that home's oh, worth now? Oh, I know. I, I I bought that house for 122 in 1995. I moved. Maybe it wasn't even ninety five, it might have been ninety four. Anyhow, I moved to Plattsburgh in nineteen ninety eight. We sold that house for hundred and sixty eight or one hundred sixty nine thousand. That I paid $122,000 for less than five years before. That house sold. Now, this is a three bedroom, one bath ranch, 1,300 square feet. You could be a millionaire now. I would be. (laughs) That house sold a few years later for $300,000. And I last heard from somebody I know who still lives in town, it sold a few years ago for about $600,000. Property is insane down around the the Massachusetts, around the Boston area. And this was for, I'm telling you, this is a little. Yeah, just a 3-1, a standard starter yeah. home. 1,300 square feet, dirt crawl space. Yeah.
0: It's a uh, shame they don't build starter homes anymore. No, it's so hard to find them because builders no. want to build the big stuff. But, like, a big problem with our housing inventory in, in Plattsburgh and in most of the country right. is there's is, there's not too much. Like, there used to be there were starter homes. You could two decent, right. like, regular jobs, you'd be fine. And now right. it's, like, it's hard to find now. And I, I worry about, like, the middle class in America and... Like, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's the Jeff Bezos' fault, or I don't blame no. the people at the top, I, I don't blame the people at the bottom. It's just supply and demand.
1: Well, and we also have this, people think, they feel like, I work, I go to work every day, I deserve this great thing. And yes, you worked hard, you, you should have nice things, but sometimes it's a reality. And I have gone from, when I moved up here, I've owned a few homes in my life. Uh, And I had it at at the peak. The nicest home was 4,500-square-foot, four-bedroom, three-bath, custom-built home. on five acres, attached garage, looking out over Lake Champlain. And I couldn't afford pizza. Yeah. But I had a gorgeous home and worked my butt off. I now have a 35-year-old double-wide, but I have, for me, properties... I have 49 camera, acres. Well,
0: you enjoy you enjoy getting outside and you get right. to you get to send it. You get to right. do whatever you want back there. So. Right,
1: absolutely. And I love it. But to me, I have for me, and it's not for everyone, a home is something that is sticks and wire and roofing and it provides shelter for me from the from the weather. It doesn't have to be a show piece yeah it has now it has now that, now that said i'm not living in a tar paper shack yeah i have a nice home but people have to consider that maybe you no know, you can't afford a stick built home a double wide is fine maybe your first starter home is going to be a single wide i don't know but buy what you can afford and save your money and compound that money and move up your first home doesn't have to be your last home.
0: Well, there's stepping stones. Like I teach, or I don't teach it, but I, I hold a presentation. I guess I would call it like adulting 101 at SUNY Plattsburgh.
1: I've watched. I've watched it. Yeah, yeah,
0: and the the most important bullet point that I that I think I hope resonates with people is don't don't compare your life moving out of your college home or moving out of your parents' home. Mm-hmm to what you're going to be when you get out of college because you are the lowest on the totem pole. That's great you got a degree. That's great you can problem solve. Mm. Now let's see how you do in real-world applications. And a lot of people think that life should just be as good right out of college, and it shouldn't. Like, it's going to take – you're going to go to college, it's going to be fun, then it's going to be a sharp decline. Like, I lived in a tuna can apartment. Like, me, Sarah, two dogs, and – My office would be the main living area and then another room was a bathroom and another room was a kitchen. And it was like my parents were like, Oh man, this is a little rough on the outside and I could have got an apartment for twelve hundred or a thousand or I don't even know if I could afford it, but I got a seven hundred dollar apartment. It's not Mm -hmm. gonna be in the nicest area. You're not gonna be able to afford your dream home right out of college unless if your parents are signing the check, maybe. Good for you. But you gotta you gotta spend within your means and realize that you're not gonna reach the pinnacle and two years out of college and five years out of college and 10 years out of college you got to grind and get there when you get there
1: your parents have been grinding for the last 30 years exactly and they have this and you you, you can't expect that you're going to right away have what your parents have it's not yeah they they they, they ground they grinded it out for for 30 years to get with yeah. they, like, and they're still and they're still and they're probably still grinding
0: yeah yeah like my dad used to tell me like he uh he used to motocross race when he was younger and if the bike broke like, he, it was, it was back in the day, you know, mm. I mean, I'm sure there were credit cards, but he just had mm. the cash that was in mm-hmm. the pocket. He would, uh, if his bike broke, he would be like, oh man, and he would eat pickled eggs all week, because it was five cents or ten cents a piece of the break yeah. room, and that was, <laughs> he'd be pickled egg Jim, but yeah. you gotta, you gotta do that stuff, like, uh, I, lo- I love the, I think this is my favorite quote, easy choices, difficult life, difficult choices, easy life if you take whatever you think the hard path is now if you don't want to you know contribute to your 401k or maybe the hard path is even like oh I don't really want to work overtime like a no take the hard path because people aren't going to want to take the hard path you know your boss says man that's Matt you know Matt whenever there's overtime he raises his hand like now he's, he's low on the totem pole but I got a manager role coming up and like I don't, you know, he doesn't know, he didn't go to school for that, but he just puts in the work. You're going to get what you want by taking the hard path.
1: Absolutely. It's very true. I mean, we you're saying things, I like what you said, but it's true. You reap what you sow. If you don't put forth the effort, you know, my father used to say to me, Jack, you never get what you don't pay for. If you work hard and shop hard, you get what you pay for. And it's true, you never get what you don't put forth the effort for. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you got lucky you bought a scratch off or you played the lottery and you got it but but short of that if you don't put forth that effort you're not going to get a return
0: yeah like i always look i'm weird i'll i'll (laughs) i'll look forward to the future and then act like i'm looking back on these times and i want to hear people be like oh man matt had it so easy like he got he got to buy that farm when he was 23 and like he just got lucky like i didn't have a bathroom I shit in a bucket for two weeks before we had a bathroom. Like, my house Mm. still isn't finished. I don't have floors in my house. I don't have a finished ceiling. Mm. But I'm investing in the stuff that I want and the stuff Mm. that I think is going to pay off. Because I feel Mm. like land, especially in Adirondacks, I feel is such a good investment. Because they're not making any more of it. Right. There's never going to be more lakefront made. There's never going to be more, like, the person who bought a house in Lake George in the 20s when it was just Mm. nothing. They hold on to it don't don't give up to the developers or the people in the city who used to be the bad area now it's the good area like Mm -hmm. hold on to it you're gonna make your money back it's i think you got to think of things in i've been trying to think of things in much longer term like i do i do my full six percent to the 401k and i'd be like Mm -hmm. oh man i wish i had that 10 grand right now like that would be so awesome and but i'm just gonna forget about it and hope that when i when I'm 40, or I guess I don't get to tell I'm 65, right. like, I hope I hope it's going to be great then, and invest invest your money when the economy downturns. Like, if you have money, save up money, people, for 2020, because I have a feeling that the American, you can only, everything is a graph. Everything goes up and down and up and down. Mm-hmm. We've been going up for the most, the economy has been in growth for the greatest period since the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything bad to happen in people. I don't want people to lose their homes, but a lot of people overextend themselves i think in 2020 we're gonna have Mm -hmm. a little bit of a downturn and wherever you are Mm now like keep your current situation Mm -hmm. or save up money now so you can invest when that happens
1: cash is king when times are tough Mm Mm-hmm. cash is king it's true and uh i know we were talking about and, and for people who are younger i am not old but older yeah um and I, I know you we had talked about I have recently in the last few years, my sister and I have started investing in, within the last two years in multifamilies a little bit, trying to have some money to put aside for, um, reti- to have income stream in retirement. Mm-hmm. I wish, and I was capable. I could have started this in my, probably quite honestly, as early as my late 30s, early 40s. Instead, I waited till my mid to late 50s. Um, if I would have done without, you know, held on, maybe instead of a new vehicle, bought a used, it could have still been a nice. Could have been a certified pre-owned. Yeah. And invested some of that money, I would have been far better off. And I can tell you, I can give you an example. A good friend of mine uh, from from college and from high school, uh, John, back in back when I grew up in Rhode Island, um, John is a multi millionaire, self made. When we were in college, we both cut wood together off the same wood lot. He shoveled cow manure at Jack Reed's farm, or Jack Potter's farm. I, I shoveled manure at my father's chicken farm. You know both of us and when we first got out we went to college together, we got out of college, he started saving. I remember he bought a he bought a piece of property, he built a duplex. He lived in half, rented out half. Bought the lot next to him, built another duplex. Lived in that, lived, moved into that one. Lived in half, rented out the other yeah. half. I went Breckenridge, Colorado, skiing every winter. I had a Cougar a Mercury Cougar Turbo Coupe. I had the nicest cars. I didn't drive used cars. I I had nice cars. Had a motorcycle. Had new skis every year. John still did things, but he invested. He didn't have a new car. He bought a used, yeah. used car. Served him fine. John now. And he's also a very astute businessman, so yeah. I give him credit. But John was the was the aunt. I was the grasshopper. Mm-hmm. And I have no complaints about my life. Don't get wrong; I have wonderful children, wonderful stepchildren, and I have a good life. But I am not. I'd love to you're say you're not John that, Living. Right, well, I'm not John <laughs> Living, and I'd love to say at 57 years old that I could think about retiring. John. Goes into work at about 9 or 10 in the morning. Stays at his office for a few hours. Then goes off, checks another one of his businesses. Yeah. Then him and his wife, maybe he'll call me. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're down in New Jersey checking out this museum. Or we flew out to Michigan this weekend because I felt like checking out the uh, the Ford Museum. You know, I'm out. And John is actually from, 50, I'll be 57 in October, so John is 55, 56. And good for him because he did. But I'm telling people, if you think about it, if I would have made, I think about, it, if I had done, I didn't have to go to Colorado skiing every winter. I could have gone once in a while. Yeah. Invested that money. Well, all my How friend, much further ahead I'd be?
0: All my friends every year since, I forget if they did it in high school, but I know in college, they went on a cruise every summer. 13 of my best friends, all my best men, like, never went once. Every summer I had to work, like. There's only X amount of weeks in the summer. I had to work mm-hmm. full time every week because I didn't want to take out loans for spending money in college. And I took out loans. I barely, I got lucky. I got a scholarship. My parents helped me through college. Like I don't have a ton of student loan debt. But I also chose to go to Plattsburgh because it gave me a big scholarship. Like I could have.
1: And you also maintain that scholarship, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because there's a guy who had a scholarship and blew it. You, you appreciated your scholarship and worked to maintain it.
0: Yeah, because my parents told me, like, you lose this scholarship, that's all on you. Like, and then that's why I chose to go to Plattsburgh where I could have, I mean, I I probably, I had decent, I eh, had pretty good grades. Like, I graduated with a 90 average. I had mm-hmm. decent academics and stuff like that. So I could have went to wherever, not not NYU or anything like that, but I could have got went to a more expensive school. But like, no, let me choose the, let me choose the cheaper school now, stay out of debt and Never never went on the vacation with my friends and like, yeah, it stinks. Like you can't get back memories. You can always retake a class, you can never relive a party. But the uh the work hard now, hopefully it pays off after and and I'm I'm proud that I was the first first person, anybody I know to buy a house who all on my own. Like my parents gave me four grand nice. to help with the down payment. Everything else, like obviously my dad helped me with plumbing and stuff like mm-hmm. that, so I'm I'm lucky to come from that, but it's awesome. It's all on my own. And like, I got hit with a massive bill last year. I had to put a new septic in. I did a bunch of drainage work. I did this, did that. And, uh, first time I put in the septic, it cost, uh, I got a guy to do it and he just completely wrong, just not even close. And it was two grand. Then I got a new guy to do it and it was multiple times that price, but I got a 30, 40-year septic now.
1: What did we talk about before? Because no, yeah. Was the cheapest contractor. Yeah, it's not it was the cheap... best?
0: <laughs> it was a cheap mistake. He was like, oh, yeah, I'll do whatever, 30 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy. I don't think he did it. No, he per- was
1: not malicious. Uh, absolutely. I don't disagree. Yeah, but I learned <laughs> I
0: learned that good mistake because you don't realize how important it is going to the bathroom and being able to take a shower until you have shit coming through your sink and you're you got to figure it out. Right. And same thing. You can pay somebody to do it. Or you can figure it out and get it done, and I'm proud that I've, I've had friends come and help me on the house. But besides heavy equipment, like everything we've done has been us. My wife has built a ton of the build. My wife has built the majority of the building. She is. The I builder. watched the
1: video of her building the lean to. Isn't that crazy? Your wife is a rock star. I know. I've nev- I don't know if I've ever met your wife. I'm not sure. We may met. Was- she's like she's a rock star. People
0: think she's like fake. Honestly, like she's beautiful. <laughs> Nobody's ever met her. Like, did I just hire a model for the wedding or something? <laughs> But there's stuff like that where if you if you grind if if you do it your good stuff's gonna come.
1: Yeah, but I've seen you in a picture of a picture of you in a star spangled uh, banner. Back when I was Jack, the good old yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, Jack uh, Speedo bathing suit. That is. A, so you were you were you were the man. I was a stud back day. That, yeah. that is. Oh, You're too young 70, to be able to say back in the 75 days. Seventy-five pounds ago, <laughs> probably. So
0: I got a little lazy, but it'll come back. I'll get back on it. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite failure
1: that later set you up for success? Uh, Favorite failure that set me up for success? That's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. I would say that um, the failure of my first marriage helped set me up. It taught me um, to value people. I, and that's what I said, I think I talked about my wife, I joked about my wife not loving the Adirondacks, loving the neighbor. But the reality is, and I can admit, I wasn't the best husband. I was a workaholic. I didn't pay attention to the people that were important. I thought if I just put food on the table and a a 4,500 square foot custom built home over their head, new minivan every three years, I was doing my job. I wasn't. And... I have learned that failure drove home to me. It was a huge failure, um, and uh, it's all good now. But sure, if I could turn the clock back, I would not want that to be a failure. I would love to have been able to say that I married my first love and stayed married to him for my whole life. Uh, then I wouldn't have met Angela. So, but but regardless, uh, that failure taught me that. I have to give back, I have to give to people, not just my resources, but me. And that has translated into my involvement in things like uh, being involved in my, not my church, but my synagogue, being involved active in Rotary. Uh, I've been a, uh, I was a shrine clown. I've been active in Masonic charities. Um, Giving back of myself. And I think that failure taught me that that I can't be just about the dollars and the and the the, the physical the the, the the things. The bottom line, the yeah. bottom line doesn't matter. Like right, you
0: can, you can buy her everything you want, but right.
1: but if I don't give her myself and my time, it's not good. Uh, it's not the size of the ring. It's 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 the person. it's, it's the person who's giving it to you. Yeah, um,
0: like I get I get home at nine o'clock like three nights a week, and I know, I know my wife, she's not pumped that I'm getting home that late, but <laughs> I explained to her I'm like, I want to make as much money as possible before we have kids. Like I was super mm. blessed. My dad never missed a lacrosse game. He was always in the stadium because he he grinded hard when I was younger and worked crazy hours and used to work Saturdays, used to work Sundays. Mm. And then he got to the point where, three o'clock on a Tuesday, last meeting's at one thirty. Like I gotta go watch my son play lacrosse, or I gotta watch my son play hockey. So I'm trying to sort of front load my life and do the hard stuff now. Like I could, I only owe twenty six thousand on my house. That's awesome. It's probably worth close to seventy five now. We bought. I
1: owe, I owe I owe more than that on my house. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> but I know, like, I could have got a HELOC. I could have I could have done the easy path and got a. um a home equity line of credit or refinanced and paid somebody to do Mm -hmm. everything and lived in a perfect, beautiful house. But I'm like, no, like equity is sacred. I want to save that and be able to use that to invest and get a rental property or just not have a mortgage
1: payment. Mm -hmm. You are very, I will say this, and if Sarah's listening to this, so I don't (laughs) want to cause a problem, but you are very fortunate to have a wife who shares your your vision and dream. Yeah. And it works. Like I said, I've watched the videos of her working you are you are fortunate because it is truly it takes two people working together mm-hmm. and understanding the sacrifices that each one is making yeah to get to that point. And that it will pay off because when you have your kids Yeah. You say, I'm hoping yeah, right.
0: everything works out good and I wanna be able to be the be the super involved dad, like be at all the games and hang out right. and get to leave work early and that sort of thing. And I don't know, it might be it might be a while down the line before we have kids but uh, I want to have the options open. Like I want to try and get rental properties early and do all yeah. the work and grind yeah. and do all the stuff that sucks now to be able to do that in the long run. And you have more energy now. Exactly. You
1: do. You do. And I say that. No, I know. Like
0: but, I'm not like. Oh, I'm so oh, like. But no, the.
1: But I'm probably almost twice your you're age. You're double my age. I'm yeah. 26. Yeah, I'm so a young am, buck. Yeah. I'm yeah, so I have. You definitely have more energy at 26. Not that I'm in not that i'm an old man but getting have, there. you're getting there i'm not, getting there you're not a young man yeah i'm not a young man my daughter always would tell me i'm an old man so but uh i'm gonna be catching up with you for gray soon though
0: i got a nice yeah. nice stripe coming down the middle well that's so
1: you don't have my stripes yeah. See? yeah
0: well my grandpa they call him yeah. dusty because he was super clean and i think he was full gray before 30 yeah. so sarah i don't even think you listen but I'm going to be
1: pretty gray soon, but it's good for business. People people think I look older. They respect me. Women like that anyhow. They like a touch of gray. But this stripe actually, there's a story behind that. That's a, a stick. When I was four years old, cutting wood. Really? to had me stand by a tree. Wait, you Dro- were cutting wood when you were four? No, my father was cutting. Wood. Oh. I was out in the woods with him, and we uh, we used to get all our heat and hot water from wood in our home. And uh, we were out cutting wood, and he had me standing under a tree. He said, "Go stand by that tree. I'm dropping trees. I don't want you to get hurt." And a tree that he dropped hit a branch of the tree that I was standing under. The branch fell down and skewered my head. Not all the way through, obviously. Yeah, but. And uh, that's how that that gray stripe started because it killed the hair follicles in it really? yeah, its. Wait, really? Yes. Oh, I thought, I thought you were joking. No, no, one hundred percent serious. That's my Pip. Did you beard. get hit in the beard? No, I did not. That's. <laughs> my girlfriend likes the beard. No, it looks so, good. So yeah, it looks good. Yeah, says you a lot the... of gray. Yeah, it's all gray. It's white. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my beard, my red's coming out in the beard. Yeah. So what else you got for me? What's an unusual habit or obsession you explore on the weekends?
1: I don't know if it's a uh, unusual, but I very much like motorsports. You mentioned that your father raced motocross. Yeah. I always, as a kid, I had dirt bikes, mini bikes. I did enduro racing. Uh, when I went to when I went to ATVs, I, I did hair scrambles. So I used to drive out to Mexico, New York, mm-hmm. to do the hair scrambles. Um, my thing now is side by sides. People don't miss razors. Now. You won't. Right. And you won't I, fall over. You won't yeah, flip over. Won't fall too over. bad in it. I I love them, and if if things go right, and this weekend works out, I'll be at Palmerbrook uh, Sportsman's Club this weekend riding. Nice. So yeah, I I like to uh, I like to to get outdoors. And do some uh, off-roading. It's fun. Like, a, yeah. My neighbor has
0: a, a Razor, her RZR, and it's, mm-hmm. it's friggin' sweet. Like, I got, my quad was, it was, it's a 2004, I got it two years ago with only 400 miles because he, he got a military bonus, mm-hmm. he ran it all summer, and then it sat for six years, and i'll put the pedal of the metal on that or the thumb to the yeah. thumb yeah, to the yeah. cup holder yep and i'll think i'm moving it and he'll spin the tires at like 60 miles per hour so i can definitely see why why the motorsports
1: is like a fun thing to do and i'm sure it aligns a little bit with your business like you can oh it does in fact i had a customer come in today i was watching because i was i have a new side by a new to me side by side that i just bought actually just had it delivered in from arizona and i was downloading a new map for the turbocharger going fast and furious huh? yeah yeah i have my yeah i have my laptop hooked up to it and and it was good because he got saw that. He said, Oh, you guys do that kind of stuff? I said, Well, this is for myself. But yes, we are able to provide you with tuners and programmers for your vehicles. And uh, That's good I don't know. Is
0: there any businesses that. I guess there's a few. like There's like ATV places around here that probably ab-
1: specialize in that. but Absolutely. But we do as well. I am, yes. I, and it's in addition to automotive accessories. I'm a, a Ricochet skid plate dealer. So skid plates for off road vehicles, Toyotas, actually. Um, we do. What are
0: some good maintenance tips? You're a young guy, you just got well, you just got your first car or your first quad or whatever. What do you what do you recommend as somebody in that industry?
1: As somebody in that industry, you can do simple maintenance yourself. Learn it. It's not the most difficult thing in the world to change your own oil. Change if you're doing off roading, your four wheeler, change your transaxle fluids, change your rear end, change your front diff. It's cheap. Quart of oil is cheap money, as opposed to changing all the bearings in the front end. Uh, whether it be your vehicle, oil changes regularly. Uh, keep track of it. If they now they have the mileage, they have the minders, and they tell you when to change the oil. But keep an eye on it because I learned. Uh, my ex had a uh, car, and I'd wait till it said, and we change oil, and we ended up smoking the the engine. And talking with one of the mechanics at the dealership, I found out. Really, you don't want to wait that long. 20%. Change your oil. What do you mean 20%? So if they have the ones that tell you you have so many percent, so much percent before uh, your oil changes, people don't pay attention to mileage so much now. But I'm still a big believer. I know it used to be back in the day right, you change your oil every 3,000 miles. If you're using high-quality oil and change your filter every time, I'll tell you, if you don't drive your car a lot, you still need to change your oil every year because you get condensation builds up in it. But otherwise, at least every 6,000 miles.
0: Is it worth buying like the expensive synthetic oil? Uh,
1: Some vehicles, I honestly don't know. Some people say yes. Uh, Some vehicles require it. And if they're built for that, then I say you have to use it. I, uh, I don't. Especially for like like my shop truck, the one that came here, yeah. it's a 2005 Chevy Colorado. I've got 82,000 miles on it. I do run a semi synthetic in it, but I don't run synthetic, uh, especially if the engine's a little bit older. Synthetic is too slippery; it'll blow by the rings. You you end up blowing through oil pretty regularly. So, uh, but synthetic oil is good. It's just if you start with it, stay with it. Yeah, you gotta. That makes sense. Yep. Um, and use, uh, I don't know, pay attention to things like wheel bearings, things like that. If your wheels, you grab your wheel, jack it up, give it a shake. If, it's, if there's play in it, your wheel bearings are going bad. Don't wait for them to let go. That's how you end up. You see cars on the side of the road with the tire kind of cocked out yeah. to the side. You don't want to be that guy. Um, and find a mechanic that you can trust and ask your friends and neighbors. They'll tell you. That's the best best way to know. Um, sometimes it's it's the dealer is the best mechanic. Sometimes, depending on what you have done, you know, a lot of these new vehicles are so computerized that the dealer is the person to go to. Yeah. But for a lot of basic ma- maintenance, your local shop, whether it be you know, Peru Liberties, Wells Garage, uh, there's all these small garages, those guys have years of experience and knowledge and can save you a lot of money
0: yeah no that makes sense that's like trying to learn you got twice as much experience as me so i'm gonna i'm gonna change my trans trans oil now in the quad because i've never touched that since i've had it
1: well bring it if you i'll give you a hand with it yeah (laughs) easy easy peasy
0: in the past five years what's like a new belief behavior or habit that has most improved your life
1: Daily exercise. I get up every morning at 6 o'clock. Not that 6 o'clock is super early, but it's a good half hour, 40 minutes earlier than I need to get up. And I spend it, my thing is cycling. I like riding bicycles. So I have a recumbent cycle in the house. I spend 30 minutes every morning, almost religiously. I mean, I, I, I spend at least 30, uh, three hours every a week. And that exercise for me, it's just something, it feels good. I get a sweat up in the morning. I feel like as I go through my day, that uh, if I don't have time to do something physical during the day or in the evening, I got it done, I got it out of the way. And it has helped. I was on, five years ago, I was on both high cholesterol medication and high blood pressure medication within the last two years I came off of both of those with the doctors okay yeah um, I credit that to exercise and watching what I eat um, that's not to say I'm not a skinny guy not at all but I truly I've come to the, the conclusion that objects in motion stay in motion right That's mm-hmm. a, a law of physics I want to stay in motion. My job doesn't allow me a lot of time, physical activity, so I need to get it in in the morning before I start my day, and within the last five years, that's been something that I have committed to, and I do it every day. I always feel so much
0: better. Like I've been, I've been trying to get up at four thirty every day, and it's so much nicer to have. Like I don't have to be worked till nine. to have time to hang out in the morning to like really pet my dog and really like hang out and read a book for an hour and i gotta start i gotta start putting exercise in because i feel like that's the one the one
1: key that's missing from my puzzle because it's you can see i'm overweight like it's not get a bicycle i'm signed up for the flattest century in the east it's a umass dartmouth in september it's a hundred mile century bike ride i'll train with you we'll both do it together in september (laughs) i could do that i got some i got some thigh power there yeah that's you know what that's one of the the sports that you'll see. You'll see, excuse me, fat guys like you and I. Yeah, riding a bicycle for a hundred miles. You don't have to be felt. You don't have to energy look, reserves. You don't have to look like like. Uh, oh God, why am I drawing a blank on his name? The fellow who won the to Tour de France and who has, who had, the doper? Go, yes, uh, Lance. Lance Armstrong. You don't have to look like Lance Armstrong. You can ride a bicycle for a hundred miles. You got to be able to sit in a seat and yeah. spin your legs for a hundred miles. And you can do it and uh i I try and pick a ride like that every year that I sign up for I've done the I did a ride in the Adirondacks it's 75 miles but it goes through Indian Lake speculator up through those mountains you've got six mile hill climbs I've I did that one I didn't do it last year because I broke my leg last year but the year before I did it uh I've done it two years it's a great ride it's a lot of fun and you got to set yourself a challenge like that and it just forces you to move mm-hmm and you know what you talk about having kids and having time to, do, you also want to make sure that you're you're going to be in health for them for a long time. All the finances in the world, all the financial security, setting up. You also got to set your body up for the long haul.
0: Yeah, no, it's true because I'm I'm that's the one area where I'm I'm not good. Like I I love to snack at night, and it's oh. easy to drink three beers after work and just right. like yeah, well I'll eat that, I'll right.
1: eat this, and it was easy when I was when I was not living with my girlfriend, when I was single. I was. I just didn't buy the stuff and didn't have it in my house because I have zero willpower. Oh, I'm so weird. If it's in the house, I'm eating it. If there's alcohol, if there's a twist of tea in the refrigerator, I'm drinking it. Yeah. But if it's not there, somehow I get by without it. But if it's there, I have no ability to resist it. And God help me if somebody brings a dozen donuts to work (laughs) because I'll eat three of them. They're gone. I've been (laughs) good.
0: I've been trying to, like... I've been trying to just eat, like, do simple stuff. Like, I, I had great results on, like, the keto diet and stuff. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. isn't sustainable. Like, it's it's hard to just eat salad and then you break it and you feel right. like crap. Now I'm just like, let me just eat a salad every day. Like, just just do the simple stuff. I know it's, the weight's not going to come off as quick. But right. if I keep
1: up and just sort of do
0: the simple things, good things are going to happen.
1: Abs- absolutely. It's, it's no different than the finances we were talking about. Slow and steady wins the race. Absolutely.
0: What advice would you give to a smart, driven college or high school student about to enter the real world?
1: Okay, if they're a high school student, I would tell them that they need to think about where their strengths are and what they want to do. And don't let someone tell them that college is the only answer. This country needs skilled tradespeople. It needs people who know how to fix a car, who know how to build a house, who know how to do plumbing. We only need so many computer technicians. We only need so many social workers. But we do, we have plenty of those people. We don't have people to fix things to do work with their hands, skilled work with their hands. Yeah, skilled labor. And if that's their if that's their where where their their passion takes them, they need to pursue that. And they can be very successful with that.
0: I guarantee you, anybody right now who's like starting, I want to be a plumber, I want to right. own my own roofing company, I want to, whatever, I want to open a plow company up, right. they're going to be the rich people. They're going to be telling stories like, oh, I wish I was like Jack and my buddy right. John. Like he opened yeah. a roofing company right. and he did this, that, that.
1: Absolutely. So I. that's one. If their passion leads them to college, and there's nothing wrong with that, don't say my passion is in Elizabethan
0: Return on isn't. investment. Right. You gotta, if you're if you're taking out two hundred thousand dollars in student loans and the pinnacle of your career, the number one person makes sixty thousand somewhere, don't do that. Think right. about return on investment.
1: Right. And I would tell them you have to do that. This 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 belief that people have and that young people have that they have to have fulfillment from the job. Yes, you want to. Don't go to work with a pit and with a knot in the pit of your stomach every day. That's a horrible thing. But you can get fulfillment from other things. You can get fulfillment from social, from helping people, from involvement in groups like Rotary, Kiwanis, <laughs> Lions Club, um, activity in your church or synagogue or mosque. But. You need to be able to do something that you don't hate going to work. But work is a way you make a living. If you can also work, enjoy what you do. And I'm very fortunate. I am one of those people. I love what I do. I love being at Yipes. Uh, That's fantastic. But that's not always a reality. So you find another way. But so if your love is something that you realistically are not going to make a living at, you know what? You want to you want to be a singer, but your voice just isn't there. There's a reality. Maybe you look at maybe you're gonna become you're gonna go into entertainment management, mm-hmm. find something that lets you be around what you like, and pursue that. Or maybe you want maybe your love is theater. Well, maybe you're not gonna be an actor. Maybe you're not gonna make a living as an actor. That doesn't mean you can't be involved in your, your 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 local theater company.
0: Yeah, you can have you can have the great production at the Plattsburgh Theater, but right. I think it's hard to make a living in stuff that people thoroughly enjoy. Right. Like now like esports is a thing and people are like there's people in Fortnite who are making right. half a million a year and it's like right. it's hard to make a living if it's something that people really enjoy doing.
1: Right. And so that would be my advice to them is think about what it is that you want to do with your life and what you enjoy and if what you enjoy and and what your passion leads you to is not going to provide you with a living find another way to make a living that is something that you can that, that that's not going to be so distasteful to you that you yeah hate life hate life and is going to still allow you to do the things that you have a passion for and enjoy mm-hmm. P- the, people have this thought in their head that I've I've got to pursue, I've got to, my, my, my career has got to be my passion. That's not true. Well,
0: there's a lot of hours. There's 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. and there's 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Like the thing that pissed me off more than anything in college, mm. oh, man, watch Netflix all day, do nothing all day. Oh, man, I got to pull a freaking all-nighter in the library. Like, dude, this sucks. Like, no, huh. you had all day to do the stuff that you had to do. And you just hung around. You did nothing all day. And then you're like, oh, man, my career, my major is so hard. I got to pull an all-nighter. Like, that used to piss me yeah. off more than anything because it's just stupid. And then you're like, oh, it's, my major's just so hard. Like, no. Yeah. If you have time to watch Netflix, right. if you have time, like, I relax. Maybe, like, my life's, my life's relaxing. I get to read a book in the morning. I get to mm-hmm. hang out. But, like, doing nothing, turn the brain off relaxing. I get maybe an hour or two a day. I'm going to get home tonight, 9 o'clock. I'm going to watch an hour show with Sarah and wake up – or go to bed and wake up tomorrow, like, because I'm doing the stuff that I enjoy that gives me vigor, that gives me mm-hmm. something. There's a big day. you got 16 hours a day if you get a good eight nights of sleep, eight hours of sleep. So I feel a lot of people like, oh, well, do you really want to do that? Like, can you really make it in the modeling business? Nice. Do you have what it takes? Like, I don't know. There's, There's no – there's no easy path. And you got to realize, too, some people are going to be better at you, better than you at some things. Like, I'm, yeah. I suck at, I'm not organized. I'm not, I? yeah. And there's some people who are going to just naturally be organized. There's some people who are going to naturally be better at singing, mm-hmm. naturally going to be better at whatever. You got to accept that they're better at that and then figure out, well, you know, like I love, like what you said, I love the entertainment business. I really mm-hmm. want to, but I'm just ugly. I'm just I'm just not right. I don't have I can't find the notes right work in the entertain work in the management sector. maybe you're great right. with numbers there's right. there's different ways that you can approach your passion. It's not like I can't work forty hours a week. I deserve I deserve a hundred thousand. I just want to draw all day. like maybe you have to work eight to four and then draw four to ten. And if you get good enough at drawing four to ten
1: It can become your eight to four. Yeah,
0: like my dad was yes. a janitor. My dad was a janitor and then mm-hmm. moved his way up to the plumbing division and then plumbed at night and he was yeah. like, Yeah, you know what? Like I'm but he didn't just quit and get a plumbing job. No, like he made the leap, he prepared, he had enough customers. Like I think I think a lot of people like the worst the worst part about being in a business is the business part. Like you're pat you're so passionate about art, you're so passionate about graphic design, you're so passionate about anything. That's the easy part, the doing the part that you enjoy. The hard part is the accounting, the saving the money for sales tax. And if you're good enough, maybe you can pay an accountant to run your books, but you gotta get to a point until you can offload that to somebody. And I feel like so many people wanna make the jump where no, 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 I just wanna do this one part that I enjoy. No, you have to stay up late. You have to do the part you don't enjoy. Like I right. hate I hate doing my taxes every year. And I keep the rec- I used to keep the receipts in my wallet, put them somewhere. No idea what I spent. No idea what I made. I had an idea what I made, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Soup like I didn't have an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And then this year, I'm like, you know, I'm doing a little bit better. I can afford QuickBooks self-employed. I'm gonna take a picture of the receipt and sort of take the extra five minutes. Like I'm gonna get it done in the parking lot. I'm gonna take a picture. I'm gonna put right. it where it needs to be. Good for you. And then and then go and do what I really want to do. Yep.
1: Yeah. When you
0: feel overwhelmed, underfocused, or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? Like what's what do you do to get back on the path when you feel like you're lost your train of thought or lost what you really were trying to get done for the day?
1: Okay. There's two ways that I handle it, and there's a good way and a bad way. One way that I handle it is I let it consume me and I get overwhelmed. And I stay at my office until nine, ten o'clock at night, but I really don't get a lot accomplished because I get caught up in the minutia of things, and I feel oh, and I just sit there feeling buried and yeah, overwhelmed. Just, yeah, I hate that feeling. And I'm, I'm screwing. I'm like a mouse in a maze, going nowhere. I'm, I'm a lot of a lot of energy is being expended, but I'm getting nowhere. And that and that still happens to me. But when I'm smart, I try and find a break. I try and for me it's I, I leave I leave the store I get my vehicle and say I'm gonna be back in two hours, and so maybe I, I use something as an excuse to get me out. Maybe it's going to rotary, so I leave for rotary. But I, either I leave an hour early or I don't come back for an hour and a half after. And I try and for me driving is a calming thing. I love to drive. I used to drive up and down the East Coast in trailer trucks. So just, but that was another part, another story. But but anyhow, and I'll drive around Plattsburgh, and I'll look at, for me, so I still I try and feel like it's part of my business, but I'll drive around right, certain of dealers and look at what's going on at the dealerships. I'll look at what cars are out there. I'll try and give myself ideas about things I can do. I'll drive by some of my competitors, see what's going on at their place, you know, just like how many cars are there, what kind of cars are there. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah, what are they doing? Uh, and I just... Let my mind run wherever it wants to run for about an hour and a half, two hours. And I say, okay, that's enough. Now I go back and I and while I'm doing that, I'll sit and I'll think about what do I need to do when I get back into that store? What are the first things? Who am I what am what quotes am I the farthest behind on? What do I need to order to make sure that things are still gonna be running in two days? What do I need to have here? Do I need to spray on bedliner material? Do I need Accessories for a customer's vehicle. What do I got to get taken care of? I write it down, and I go back and I walk in, and what'll happen is inevitably, the person at the counter's like, Jack, I've got these calls you gotta I got to return, and I try and I I try and stay disciplined, and I say, Nope. You told them I was out, like I told you to. I'll be I will deal with those in two hours. For two hours, I'm still not here, and I sit down and I get those things done, and somehow that feeling that i took those things that i knew were on my plate and took them off even though they may not be i still have they Somebody were they were only everything. 3 of the 10 things i still 10 big things i still have on my plate it gives me a sense of accomplishment i feel like i completed something and i can clear my head and go forward but i need to find those few things i needed to take that time for myself to think about what i needed to do and then walk into that store not let myself get distracted. Tell people I'm not going unless this place is on fire. Don't bother me. Mm-hmm. Get those things done, and then I don't know. It's like a catharsis. I feel like at that point now I can handle multiple things. It's almost like I feel like sometimes like your brain feels or your head feels like like a water bucket. It's full. If you add anything else to me, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's going to pour out the edges, and I'm going to lose it. So you got. I got to. I got to force myself to make other people allow me the time to drop the level of that bucket down to a point where I can add some more things to it. Mm-hmm. And the part where I think that just by staying at work all night, but when, once I get in that mindset where I'm out of, like I said, I'm like the mouse on the wheel or whatever. I'm scurrying. I'm getting nowhere. I need to take myself out of the business for that hour or two prioritize in my mind what I need to do and then go in and not let myself, not let anyone or anything distract me from it. Get those things done. And even though they're not the lion's share even necessarily of what I had to get done, somehow that knowing I got them done allows me to go forward and then handle things.
0: Well, prioritize and execute feels so good. Like yeah. I'll have customers where, oh, I know they're going to be tough. Like, let me put them off. Let me put them off. They'll be at my to-do list for, Do you, are you a big to-do list guy? Like, do you?
1: I, I do sometimes when i'm when I'm at my most productive I do have a to do list and I check things off yes
0: I've been trying to get back in like in college I was honestly really good at it. I used to have a to do list for everything like from mm-hmm. doing my laundry to and that was great like doesn't matter what it is right. make a like if you're stressed right now, make a to do list of when I get home I have to do the dishes I have to do the laundry i have to I have to take the dog out. there's something magical about. Putting a line through that to do list. Yes. And or and you have to realize like some things, oh my God, I want to take care of this customer. They just came in. No, you might still have a customer from two weeks ago who's in the back of your head because you don't want to I don't know, call the call the bedline dealer because of the price I don't know what like Absolutely,
1: I, I get it. No, I know yeah. what you're saying.
0: And it's been it's been wonderful. Like now I've been I've been trying, like I'm always off the path and I'm back on the path, like trying mm-hmm. to all right. Like now, I've been in a system where I have my to-do list for tomorrow done today, versus just coming to the office and being overwhelmed. And now with uh, with emails, like if I can get it done in less than two minutes, if it's quick, just do it. Right. Don't let it don't let it build up. And then after you do it, take it off your plate. Like get get rid of that email. If I send a reply, I used to keep all the emails that I sent that needed a reply. I used to just keep them in my to- do email list and that would screw me up because I'm like wait did I forget did to jack email me back because I was gonna get the details I <sighs> I put it off once it's given to them I put it off my I either put it in my done list or if it's important I put it in my waiting to reply mm-hmm. list and then just forget about it I pass it on I didn't I didn't give up ownership I didn't say I'm done mm-hmm. with that but I did my part. Let me see what they come back with. Right, and that has been wonderful for me. And Absolutely. it's been, it's been. I don't know. I just, I just love it. Yeah. So, give us, give us a little business highlight. Who's the ideal customer for Yipes Auto Accessories and Graphics? Who's your? Give something to listen to Craig Cass, where maybe they'd be like, you know what, that's me.
1: Okay. Well, I have multiple ideal customers. Hit hit them all, man. Okay. What I tend to sell the most of is truck-related accessories, uh, not because I have naturally. It just seems that people who buy trucks want the most things for their. If you
0: trucks. buy a Toyota Corolla, you're not gonna put a uh, you're not gonna put a bunch of extra money into it. But if you have a truck, you gotta right. You gotta you, show
1: everyone how cool your truck is. You need and you need certain things to make it more usable. You need a tonneau cover to cover up that bed, or you need a truck cap. You you find out your wife. Well, your girlfriend has trouble stepping up into that truck because the truck's too high. So you need step bars. There's things that people just seem to naturally need more of for trucks. So I sell a lot of truck accessories. Um, I have competitors. But there's some things that I do with the trucks that people don't think of as much for us as some of my competitors. We do full lifts, suspension lifts. We do not just bumper hitch uh, tow, towing. Yeah. But fifth wheel and goosenecks, which people don't think of us. I have another competitor in town. I'm not going to name him, but people know. You know who you are. You know who you are. And that, and don't worry. Around. They don't listen to Craig Cass. No, it's okay. No, and if they did, it's totally fine. It's, but people don't think of us for that. So I want people to think of us. So we do that stuff. But um, so trucks seem to be the biggest percentage. And the spray-on bed liners are, are the biggest percentage So you of can business.
0: do soup to nuts. If I want yes. rims, if I want to put in LED headlights, if I want to put in whatever a a stripe down
1: yes i can do all of that Uh, what i don't get into is internal engine work so i can put in a program or a cold air intake you want higher compression pistons you want to add a turbocharger or a supercharger yipes is not going to be your place we're bolt-on accessories um but yes we do fleet graphics so someone who's starting a business who wants to get their name on the side of their trucks and on their trailer we do that Uh, you want to um, you've bought maybe you bought a car and you bought a lower end car and you realize it doesn't have Bluetooth for your phone we can add we work with a company called Rostra it's OEM, they're an OEM manufacturer so I offer a lot of stuff cruise controls, backup backup camera systems but also uh, what they call the Converse, a Bluetooth system that works with your factory radio to allow you to, to to pair your phone to it and still make phone calls play your music from your phone. So we do all that. So you don't... Honestly, I used to have a, I used to have a stereo display in my store. Back when we were back on Skyway, I had a big display with a lot of radios in it and stuff. I don't even have a display for stereos anymore because factory radios are generally so good in sound that most people aren't looking to really upgrade it significantly. We can. We've done everything from full, you know, dual. You know,
0: we'll make it bump. You'll be the coolest guy. Rolling yeah, down yeah. We'll, three, but.
1: We'll, we'll put two twelves in the back of your trunk and put a large, uh, large amplifier in it, and you know, shake we'll everything in you your want, car. But
0: for the most part, it right? For the most part, enough.
1: it's standard. But some people don't have things like I said, like the Bluetooth. So we can add that to your factory we radio. Starters? We do a lot of remote car starters. Uh, new cars. A lot of new cars are coming with remote car starters. But also sometimes people find they are limited to the, they're limited in range. We offer starters that have up to a mile of range.
0: So you're telling me I can be sleeping in a cold Plattsburgh January day <laughs> and I'm you know, I, I make good money, but oh man, this this sucks. I wanna I used to this is my this is my morning routine when it's in the middle of winter. I get out of the shower, still in my robe and I go and turn the car on, and I melt it all off for like 15
1: minutes. So No, you wouldn't have to do that. You could just push a button. Right from the bed. Right from the right bed. Right from your bed. Yes. I have ones that will, um, this was a bet from some guys at PPC. I put a long-range one in our company truck. And they said, yeah, but it can't go through the entire mall. So I parked out, I parked the truck. As a, they So I parked it out by where Sears used to be. Now it's... Uh, Hobby Lobby. Yeah. So out past Hobby Lobby and that parking lot out beyond them, went all the way down into the food court by the the China, the Chinese restaurant and the China food court. China Cafe. China Cafe. Shout out to Teddy Chan. Yes, Teddy's a great guy, actually. Teddy's the man. He is. He's a good guy. His mom's a sweetheart and his dad, you don't see him because he's back there working hard. He's hustling. Yes, he is. Uh, but uh, so I'm back there by Teddy's place, hit that starter and through the entire length of the wall, starts the car.
0: Proof is in the pudding, baby. Yep.
1: We even have ones. You start it from your smartphone. If you have, if you have cell service in your vehicle has cell service, anywhere in the country you're going to start your car. I'm a big fan of saying what we can do is only limited by the amount of your pocketbook. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do anything. We'll do anything for money. That said, I also pride myself. I don't oversell. I sell you. I try to sell you what you need and not more than you need. I have guys come in, they want, they're looking at tonneau covers, and they're looking at have these retracts ones that are hard, they're all up like a roll top desk inside, they're very cool. They're also running about $1,500 installed. And then the fellas, as we're talking, he tells me, yeah, I just got this new truck, he goes, I traded in my other, my 2015 or my 2016. I said, oh yeah, I trade every three years. You trade every three years? What do you put in your truck? Nothing much, I said, do you really need this? I said. I can sell you this Tuxedo Truck Sport for $380 installed. It's got a five-year warranty. You're not even going to keep your truck five years. Yeah. I'll warranty my labor on it too. So if anything goes wrong with it in the five years, I'm going to fix it for you. Or, or if they get, give us a new one, I'm going to replace it for you. And I'll sell you this for $380 instead of this one for $1,500. Uh, I do the same with Roll Car Starters. A fellow came in today. 2019 Tundra. Beautiful truck. Wants a starter for it. Get talking, he's looking at the return confirmation one mile, the one that I have on my shop truck, because I do that because I want to show people the yeah. best. But get talking, Where do you... Clyde is retired. He's 72 years old. He starts his truck at home.
0: Yeah, he's 50 feet away, if that.
1: Yeah. I have a remote starter that will work. You press your, you, you don't even need a remote. It's, it works off of the factory remote. In his case, the factory remote's right on his key. The lock and lock. Press the lock button three times. It starts the vehicle. Now, it's limited to the range of the factory remote, but for him, that's fine. Yeah, he's looking it's, out his window when right. he starts
0: it. He doesn't need the, the... So we
1: started out looking at a $500 remote starter. I sold him a $300 remote starter. Because quite honestly, that's all Clyde needs. I'm not about... Uh, and I have. I tell all my employees, not all my employees, my two employees, yeah. but every employee I've had over the years, I'm no different than anyone else. I'd love to be a millionaire someday. It's not going to happen on one sale or from one customer. It's going to happen from repeat sales and repeat customers. So that's, and that's the one thing that I will say that if people come to Yipes, if they come to me, I'm going to be honest and straightforward with them. If they, and I will even tell them I've learned to uh, not hate the internet, but to embrace it. If they can find something they want on the internet for so much less than I can buy it for, or a product that I can't get for them, but maybe it's out of their skill level level to install it. And that could be even a graphic. We do graphics, but if they can find that graphic mass-produced somewhere for a third of the cost that I can produce it for, we'll still install it for them. I'll be honest. I charge $10 an hour more for my labor if you buy it elsewhere.
0: And there's no warranty.
1: And there's no warranty. Yep. That's correct. But we'll install it, and we'll do a good job, and I will warranty that it's going to work when you leave. Yes. Now, if that product fails six months down the road or three months down the road, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, you didn't buy the product from me. You need to go back to your internet provider or whoever else to get that warranty. Mm-hmm. But we'll help you with it. Yeah. And 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 we appreciate that opportunity. We're not going to look down on you because you don't feel like oh you bought it you bought it somewhere else so you can't come to us. We're, we appreciate that opportunity.
0: Yeah. You got any, got any special offers, offers for the listeners of CraigCast?
1: I hadn't thought about that. I wish you would have mentioned that to me beforehand, but I'll tell you what I will offer your listeners. If uh, they have a truck and they, they're interested in one of our spray-on bedliners, Onyx, which has an unconditional lifetime warranty, if it comes off the bed of your truck for any reason, short of something requiring body work, for as long as you own that truck, I'm going to repair it for free. Um... I'll give them fifty dollars off a full price spray and bed bedliner. So a spray and bedliner quite honestly normally goes for five hundred sixty five dollars plus tax. They'll get it for five fifteen. If they mention they heard it on the Craigcast. Craigcast, you walk
0: into Yipes. What's the address? Six Trade Road. Six Trade Road, you walk into Yipes. You back that brand new twenty nineteen RAM in and you let him know that you've heard <laughs> about this on Craigcast. Um,
1: how do we get in contact with you for business purposes if somebody's listening? Okay, they can call us at the store. 518-324-9473, which is 324-YIPES. Ah. Or they can email us at sales at yipesplatsburg.com. I see those emails. Also, Lilac, who helps me out at the counter, sees those, and one of us will get back to them. Uh, be patient. And also our Facebook page. You can message us on our Facebook page, and we're always good about getting back to you on that as well.
0: Yipes Plattsburgh, Check them out. Give them a call. And remember, if you're thinking about... A- awesome bed liner not that cheap chinese shit the good onyx one with the lifetime (laughs) warranty hit up yipes auto accessories and graphics thanks again to all of our listeners thanks again to all of our sponsors and i will see you next week for another episode of craig cast